Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Okay, we're recording. Yeah, continue. Continue what you were saying off air now that we're on air. Okay, cool. Yeah, just uh, with the COVID and the live music live performances you know like even me and the little band that we have here we play like little small shows but uh yeah just missing all the live music that we you know we once you you always appreciated it but it's like once you take it away you didn't realize what you had right <laughs> like yeah. it's one of those things. it's like even here in korea we never did a lockdown but uh they did ban a couple things for a while like uh the gym was banned and so just in the past week or two, the gyms have come back. Like, it's okay to go to the gym now. And uh, I never thought I would miss the gym in my life this much. Oh, like, yeah. For me, it's the gym. I don't like ever going there. It's one of those things. It's like, okay, just put on your shoes, walk to the gym, just get there. Once I'm there, it's fine. I like exercise. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, but great it's once... the inertia to go yeah. there, you know? I hate the commercial ones. I like them when they're in the building I live in or mm-hmm. or at a university one is is fine but the commercial ones i find you get like that's where you get some like weirdos <laughs> right right sometimes right. But it's, you it's, know yeah yeah but it's one of those things it's like the gym or these live um live concerts we, we really i mean i'm you start to appreciate things so much more once they're sort of stripped away from you right yeah yeah you that's that's an adage i think i mean yeah i mean for losing music for me has been i mean devastating be far beyond the the financial loss because it was my like main income usually um Mm, right mm -hmm, like for mm -hmm. big time right like you know i could always do a couple shows a month and and you know a few shows a month make a grand or two and that was uh that's something i relied on for the last 15 years so (laughs) to lose that has been tricky but what but i don't even care about that i don't even care about that the fact that i can't get together and play with people and and interact mm. musically with other musicians has been the just that's what made me realize it was never ever about making money at all it was always about keeping myself mm-hmm. alive that's why I started playing music in grad school because I was sort of spiritually dying in a way even in seminary I just well I just like you no know, psychologically like the whole this there was a spectrum of my soul that wasn't 
abundant in, in hardcore grad school because it's super academic, right? You're just like footnotes, transliteration, translation all day, all this <laughs> like heavy linguistic stuff and big philosophical theories. Like, you know, if you grasp the theory, you probably should be studying a harder one. So you're constantly like hurting your brain. And, and so I brought music into my life to start playing the Irish Boron. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, it's Boron. Is that the uh, flute? The handrum, the, the handrum. Yeah, no, the flute. They just oh, call the flute. Okay, that's the. I, that was okay. my intro. A lot of people start with the handrum because it's like, oh, I just want to go to the pub, listen to people play "Diddly Idle Day," and like hit a little, mm -hmm. uh, you know, drum out of time with the rhythm so that people throw things at me. That's that was the plan. <laughs> and so I spent five hundred dollars on the on a premium handrum and and picked it up pretty quick. Uh, picked up playing rhythmically much later, <laughs> but that's how right. it goes sometimes. Um, right. But it was fun. You know, I'd go once a week during grad school to this pub and for three hours, I'd sit there and drum along to tunes. And mm -hmm. that was cool. You know, um, that was like, that was a spiritual release in my body. Exactly. It was just so different. It was just, you're, I, it's just, mm -hmm. you're accessing this whole other part of your being and you're just, exactly. you're just the smiling the mm -hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, I was thinking, like now, you know, with the COVID stuff, I'm, I don't want to stay on COVID forever, but it's just because these topics are. Yeah, you really shouldn't even call it live on a podcast because then they're going to think it's like about the podcast. <laughs> they're going to flag it. <laughs> hey, we're talking about of, COVID. This podcast is banned. I'm a fan of the Canadian. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of the Canadian lawyer who calls it the My Sharona Cyrus. My yeah, I, I yeah. think the My Sharona Cyrus. That's a good uh, 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 reference term for musicians. I think that's a that's, there you a, go. that's... My, my, my Corona. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was I saying? Yeah, the fact that like uh, when you're playing music or you're getting together with other people and playing music, it's almost like a magical act or right in itself, right? Like you have the uh, solo practice, solo practitioner, where you're jamming alone, right? And then the getting together with other people and um, having to be open to their, what they bring to the table and whatnot. Right. But, uh, it's, uh, with music and then also with the gym, I think this is how a lot of people, um, they sort of exercise their demons in a way or their emotions. And it's sort of a spin, uh, spiritual cleansing process, right? When you, when you hit a good workout, you, you just feel fresh and clean and you get all the stress and toxins and negative energy out of your body. Right. Yeah. Um, whatever you're holding on to in a way. And then the same thing with music, right? Like you're talking about, it's sort of this emotional release and a chance to uh, express maybe emotions that you're holding on to earlier in the day or the week. And yeah. then when you tell people they can't do that, what, what do you think is going to happen, right? Like you're going to have all these people with pent up energy. The demons are, uh, <laughs> cannot be exercised right and they're at home alone it's, it's dangerous of, they might yeah, like it's dangerous you know, yeah. they might start rioting or storming places who knows what could happen <laughs> hypothetically right yeah it's not like that ever happened <laughs> yeah. i mean well, that's i think happening. we're a long way off of riots and stormings but you know it could happen <laughs> yeah someday, someday it's good to it's good to break a sweat man like actually right 20 minutes before we just sat down now i was like i've been working all day which means staring at a screen all day and looking at books and stuff and communicating with people mm -hmm. so i i had to go to I go to the corner store for something so i ran both ways and i'm i'm still dripping with sweat mm -hmm. right now and but i feel awake like i had just woken up for the first time today you know it does that to you right it, mm -hmm. it sort of makes you feel oh okay i'm you know covered in sweat and you know, I was just uh, out of breath. It, I don't know, it resets, resets the mental clock uh, exercise. And, and that's what's really 
great. I, I'm a bike rider mainly for my form of exercise, but I do love lifting. And I mainly love martial arts, like everything from oh, ninjutsu, nice. ninjutsu to fencing, and which I've always taught fencing usually wherever I could, whenever I was going anywhere, you know, especially because mm-hmm. a lot of places focus on ep, uh, foil and epee, but I specialize in saber. So it's like, oh, someone who can really do the fine tuning works of saber and stuff. And it's, it's just so such a release and that's all canceled here still. Mm-hmm. Music is all, has, mm-hmm. I wanted to tell you this because I'm so jealous you guys still have a band going and a music going because like they sort of have brought back music a little bit here in Vancouver, but the people, my friends who have been reached out, the venues are saying to the professionals, um, look, you know, because we can't have full capacity and because we've been so down, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? <laughs> I've been so financially hard up we're not necessarily really going to be able to pay you what you normally get paid but we'll give you something it's Uh, like well guess what folks normally we don't get paid that much like if you get 500 to a grand for a gig that's a big mm -hmm. deal actually for most local musicians that would be a huge deal for local musicians um so -hmm. if you're saying to a musician that's you know up until the virus was was making 50 to 80 grand a year for music and you're like "We'll, we'll throw you like 50 or 60 bucks it's like (laughs) <laughs> they may as well so not get, get, do it that's like that's right. not even the cost of the transport of the gear <laughs> so oh, that's wow. what they're trying to yeah. do and they're gonna i think they're gonna be on that note play that they're gonna ride and grind on that tonic for a long time so oh yeah. for sure so it's uh I guess, sure. we're, I guess we're back to scholarship and magic eh bro <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i don't know but in another way like i guess that people are at home more and they're probably listening to music. That's one thing, like the streaming stuff, I guess that screwed a lot of artists, right? Like, Oh yeah. The, um, Spotify like sent me that, thinking, said, I said my music mm-hmm. went, was more listened to last month than ever in, in, in my life. And, mm-hmm. but they won't pay me anything. Jesus, All I could yeah. do is have like one of my buddies who's in music publishing, they'll send them a letter and be like, pay up all this money you will for the last 10 years or remove the music. Mm-hmm. They'll just remove the music. They've already built oh. their platforms on our sweat and blood. They don't need us anymore. And they'd actually rather right. not have us around. So right. we really have to rethink mm-hmm. our approach again. Right. Exactly. I remember when uh, streaming was coming out and people were like, yeah, it's a chance to get rid of the, uh, you know, the big music companies and the corrupt heads of all these companies that are just raping the artists. And then, <laughs> and then look at the result is like Spotify, I think pays less than the record executives were paying any of the artists, right? Like it just yeah. got even worse. Yeah. And they're yeah. literally, they're literally too big to sue. Like Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. I believe failed to sue them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. And if it's Taylor insane. Swift can't sue you, you know, you're, you're immortal. Cause Tay Tay yeah. can do about just about anything she wants as, as as uh as as the man said uh ron white said it's taylor's mm. world we're just living in it <laughs> that's pretty funny the, yeah that's that, pretty funny but actually, yeah, if, I, if a mega artist if like a huge i think um i think like jay-z and a bunch of other artists tried to get together i remember reading they're, about yeah they're trying to get their ago. masters back <laughs> oh yeah that's that that's true too but they also tried to start like some sort of streaming platform to compete with Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that. You know, you know, what's crazy. I think even they couldn't do that. All you would have to do is create a streaming platform that pays musicians fairly. That's literally all you would have to do. Hmm. You know, like I, I, and I've talked to my friends who work in app development and I've said to them like, Hey, basically, since I know you, the only step between making us all for between us all being rich 
with an app is just literally having the idea because you know you work for a corporation that does and develop these things he tests them he's also a musician mm -hmm. it's like really the only thing the question barrier to success is the idea and that and therefore mm. it's execution right and he's like yep i'm like that's pretty cool we actually live in a time where there's all these people out there if you literally just have a valid idea and you can test ideas right they're not amorphous and vague you can test them mm -hmm. and try them and if you have the idea you know one of those ideas that when you tell it to everyone you tell it to they're all like holy shit that's the that's the one that's do it you know those ideas yeah. do come along and we live in a time where you can actually have those ideas and boom overnight pretty much you're there like we're in that age mm -hmm. where you can actually write that that catchy a tune if that's your thing and if it is that good like that's how halsey blew up that's how little zan blew up a lot of people blew up by just putting out mm -hmm. one song that people couldn't stop listening to overnight and that works and that's what's the positive mm -hmm. side of all this exactly exactly it's a chance that uh that, that's one thing is a lot of people are definitely including us to an extent right right now we're complaining about some stuff but uh on the other hand it we're is a chance to yeah, we're shooting the shit, but, um, you know, it's just sort of stuff we miss because of the COVID stuff. But at the same time, it is a chance to develop yourself in other ways too, right? Like, if anything, it's been a chance for people to be a little bit more introspective or to look and maybe do some inner work or reflect rather than, you know, we've all been sort of um, stuck in the rat race, busy, you know, caught in the next meeting or different sort of stimulus and whatnot, right? But the fact that you have to shut your door and you're now, hey, I'm stuck with myself. Never yeah. now I actually have to face my own bullshit, right? Instead of uh, you know, constantly yeah. uh avoiding myself. Now it's like the lockdown is kind of in a way making people face their own demons, look at themselves in the mirror, maybe do some own do Ooh. some sort of uh we'll inner work, right? Facing demons and facing demons yeah, uh, so. and all that. But it's also a great time to write and record, yeah, because you can actually like my friends who own studios here normally like mm -hmm. you know i can go in and record if i have something good anyway but like you know mm -hmm. right now it's it's like even if even if it's a prime time slot they'd normally charge for they'll they'll work with you i've talked to them and and you can get the pro musician friends of yours who, who normally are on tour like you mm -hmm. know the guitarist i like to work with the last few years he's normally on tour with famous bands backing them up but he's not right now <laughs> and i was like <laughs> i was like hey should we uh lay down some tracks he's like yeah man you just call me and then we do it <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. awesome so but nice. you know i am i am i have thrown myself for the last couple of years into this other stuff you know back scholarship and writing and stuff and so i'm i'm, mm. I'm enjoying that a lot as well there's just there's still always too much to do and not enough hours in the day really like you know if you're inflamed with life and prayer and and all that good stuff mm. i mean so yeah let's be optimistic mm. i'm my i'm gonna try and be op more optimistic here on out because you know the the drama's sort of passed in the world and now we i feel are really at this point where we're either going to head straight into black mirror land or <laughs> we might right. sort of just at least hold ourselves out of that enough to have some semblance of the world before though mm. i don't really want the world before like you know i mean all this stuff about like the, the the way our the way our our western first world relates to the other countries of the world i don't like that i don't like the way we relate to the first nations people in canada i don't think you guys mm -hmm. like that in the states I, like, we don't want things to go back we don't want them to go we just don't want them to go bad so how can we all live mm -hmm. to make things not go badly and uh, that brings right. us to, to to art and and the art of magic especially i think because 
I still mm. stand by my statement that this is a great time for magic. You know, people are, mm. people are opened up. It feels like the whole world's been so the best time to change is, is right after trauma. That's the, that's when your symbolic universe has been shattered essentially, and you get to reconstruct mm -hmm. it in I, potentially a better way. So I feel like the whole planet mm. right now, it has the opportunity to reconstruct its symbolic self in a healthier way and then let that manifest going forward it is possible so i don't know how oh, do you for sure how do you feel about that and, and and about about your role as a magician in the world hmm, you started this pretty... podcast you've started praxis of the obscure i jumped on it right away because yeah. I, I listened to the two episodes i don't know who how i heard about them but i just liked mm -hmm. them and i liked your style and i liked your voice and i thought you were a really good interview natural interviewer and i was like i need to mm -hmm. talk to this guy and so we hooked up and now you're you're hooking up with everybody like a little uh, slut <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> maybe i should uh maybe should uh, should put a condom over my uh, microphone <laughs> that i'm using uh you know i don't want to get any digital herpes as they say right? <laughs> like a good podcaster boy <laughs> <laughs> right right well but, stay uh, away from the stay away from ea curting then <laughs> right, right i'm joking i don't know him <laughs> he's, just <laughs> in the, he's just in the demonic stuff it probably probably has got like uh you gotta be careful right. with joking well, about people yeah. having stds but <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true right? it's a demonic yeah, like a std slander. don't you don't want to catch a demonic std right, i don't know right, what that right. would look like but so so you sent me i i, I uh -huh. Not, not as guiding. easily cured by antibiotics i hear the demons don't take uh <laughs> the antibiotics don't quite work on them I <laughs> yeah so you sent me over the course of us getting to know each other some pictures of your mm -hmm. ritual setup which i was very much impressed by because you're over there in korea this mm -hmm. borderline expat musician fellow who's who's uh clearly got a good head on his shoulders and then you sent me you had you have some of jason newcomb's uh, new hermetics tools and circle floor circle mm -hmm. but and then a whole goetic goetic shall we say it mm -hmm. i mean the proper way to say it is goetea right if you're being oh is that how i go actually go don't even know. i've heard people i've heard people pronounce it different ways so i i literally I like have goetia. no idea what... i like goetia that's what i grew up hearing everyone say as a kid mm -hmm. You know, as a very that sounds kid. better to me, <laughs> Croatia. Yeah. yeah, and and naturally, I often would say Goetia because I, you know, as a German speaker, that that's how you pronounce the O and the E. But if you're talking Greek, which it is Greek, like looking Goetz at the Greek letters, if you look at the Greek letters and how it's written, it's Goetia, because that's an aspirated right. sound there with the H or in Greek, and then it's E I A Goetia. Right, which refers to what the howling charms. Something it's like charms. That. Oh, is that what it translates yeah. to? Yeah, if you, you know, but but it's become something else. The word now is a sort of a catch-all for uh, working with mm -hmm. spirits that would you call them chathonic? These, these mm -hmm. unclean That's spirits. What, right, right, right. Which actually I have no experience with. I've never done any Goetia personally. Oh, interesting. Um, so with your setup, like, yeah. what did you do? How how did you get go from having none of this stuff to having such a beautiful setup? And what sort of rituals do you just tell us your story, man? Because I'm sure people want to know. Well, it's a pretty long story, but uh, Good. All right, we let's, have uh... lots of time. <laughs> okay, let's reverse. You know what you were getting into uh, coming on this podcast, right? Uh, God damn it. Oh, my Ooh, God. Everyone knows uh, it. Even, even David Heimsmith <laughs> knew it. 
Yeah. Oh, by the way, that's a great podcast. If anybody's going to listen to a podcast after this podcast, uh, I would like to point people to that one because that one blew my mind. I mean, Which I definitely one? want to get um, the David Heim Smith one. That on one magic was really without good. fears with me. Yeah, on your podcast. I know yeah. it's almost like I actually, for the first time ever, tried. <laughs> no, that was excellent. I mean, I do. I've already. I saw a couple of his books just online, like how beautiful the um, the artwork was and the concept of sort of meditating on the, you know, the tree of life and whatnot, and his approach being somewhat different, right? Um, yeah, I've got. But his, it's like a non non-eminist, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a non non-eminationist uh, perspective, which to me just makes more sense and always has. And I've kept my mouth, mm -hmm. sh my pre mouth shut about it because I didn't want it to get slapped. But then I then then he it turns out he's out there. So this view is not that outlandish the view I have. Mm -hmm. And I came to that view through hardcore philosophy and theology study in grad school. Like that's what brought me mm -hmm. to that view was studying mm -hmm. Nietzsche and Heidegger and Gadamer and then like Jacques Lacan. Yeah. Slavo Zizek, Umberto Eco. Oh, right, I didn't right. realize that someone had come to it through pure semi-pure Kabbal Kabbalistic means. But it makes sense mm -hmm. because you know it is a it is a well I won't we won't get in we won't say too much let people listen to the episode I did with David Heim Smith who's yeah. a, a lovely guy <laughs> a lovely guy and yeah I've got his uh, yeah. for you can get his initial book plus a secondary book of his with the cards all for one twenty five mm -hmm. as a combo pack on his website davidheimsmith.com and I've got that on its That's way awesome. for my birthday thanks to uh, a beautiful uh, loving person so. Uh, Awesome. may or may not awesome. be my yeah. mother so yay happy birthday <laughs> yeah um so there i look forward to that getting that for my 40th as i enter the proper kabbalistic age for kabbalah for men there you go there you go <laughs> for men but, right uh, <laughs> oh is it really is that well, when uh, like, the traditionally the jewish, jewish uh, women didn't get to study kabbalah which you could think mm -hmm. is really sexist but if you study some of the recent, like is in the last 25 years, archaeological digs coming out of the biblical, uh, ancient Near Eastern archaeologists, like out of Duke University, and I got to, mm -hmm. there's, there's a whole other side to women's spirituality in ancient Near Eastern Jewish culture. So I won't get into that mm -hmm. here, but there's like, it's pretty well balanced culturally if you look at the people in their place and time and the kind of magic they were doing. And the women were in many ways actually the ones in charge during major mm. periods of, of, of communal and men were more in charge outside of home. But once they got home, the women were the, were the wizards and witches of the home. And they had entire compartments in every single hut in these ancient Jewish villages full mm -hmm. of magical tools only for the women. Mm. That's crazy. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah very yeah. magical. And time. also, and the women mm -hmm. were very much running the show. The men just got together in the village, probably a tent of meeting or whatever, and they would debate things as men do. And the women would be like, yeah, we don't care about what you guys think. Just make sure, you know, just do your thing and then come home and we'll run your life like it should be run. That was my impression from studying <laughs> the archaeology. <laughs> you can tell, uh, tell I took some liberties with it. But yeah, back to you and your, your magical okay. journey. I want to hear what your journey was, man. Like, seriously. Mm. So it's sort of the opposite of yours. So mine started, you know, very heavily psychedelic. So um, I was just kind of thinking about it as you asked the question. Um, I really, I think I was, uh, <laughs> I think I was 12 years old. Okay, so the first time I ever did a psychedelic, I think I was actually 12 years old, honestly. Wow. I was in, um, it was middle school, 
first grade in Hawaii, which is different. It's different than California. So that was like sixth grade, I believe, which I think I would have been 12. But anyways, a friend of mine uh, had a bunch of dried shroom caps that he brought to school, right? Whoa. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the age of 12 years old. Right? <laughs> so uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, I remember I took those and, you know, that it was a, I just remember I couldn't stop laughing and we had science class and uh, we were both in the same science class. The teacher was talking about volcanoes and trying to explain it and I just saw like volcanoes erupting all over the room, you know. <laughs> so it was a visual <laughs> experience as well as Yeah, laugh. very visual and very funny, very fun, like, uh, you know, you get the giggles and whatnot, right? And so, uh, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like some sort of spiritual breakthrough or anything like that, but it was a very um, impactful experience, right? And then I don't think until later on after that, you know, just smoking weed and stuff like that, nothing, you know, very heavy or anything like that. But then later on in high school, um, I had some friends that were like started dropping acid every week, right? And uh, I, I got into that as well. And that's where I really, you know, my eyes started. It's kind of like you see yourself for the first time. And, uh, just having these sort of profound experiences, like perceiving, I think we talked about it in the podcast, me and you did. It's like sort of seeing, seeing sort of clairvoyantly, like seeing auras and energy. Mm, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I started perceiving things that I never knew one could perceive, right? Like just looking at the energy vibrating off of people and sort of um, those sort of things, right? And uh, yeah, the deeper I got into it, the more, you know, I started thinking like this, is this the, you know, is this dr a drug experience or is this sort of revealing me more to like deeper layers of reality, right? And so um, it's kind of interesting because that's the way I came into it, whereas you're the opposite end, right? Like you went through all these practices and rituals and, and you're doing the psychedelics, yeah, initiations, and then you're yeah. doing the psychedelics on the back end. I was on the front end, right? Yeah. And so uh, although I, I would say though, I'm not really sure, but I would say more people, at least the people that I've talked to, um, or people that I know, I think more people probably uh, come into it through my end, right? Like psychedelics. Oh, yeah. like if you look at the '60s, oh, yeah. like no, people did psychedelics. My story. Yeah, you're the you're weird. you're the rarity. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're the rarity. You're yeah, the weirdo, man. Super... You're the fucking weirdo. Okay. <laughs> you don't even know. You don't. Yeah. I'm the normal one. All right, dude, man. Dude, I'm like, kidding. yeah, no, like at, at at ten years old, I went through my second initiation. Who goes through their mm. second initiation at 10? That's stupid. Yeah. And what was really interesting was I developed psychically, but with I believing that uh, any form of uh, psychedelic or entheogen or cannabis would uh, prevent the development of psychism within a person because Steiner had a lot of mm -hmm. thoughts on this that I had heard, but also I was raised to think they were just bad. They were just bad, like, you know, mm -hmm even smoking mm -hmm. or drinking booze was bad. That was not in my household, but that was very much because of my parents and how their parents were uh, with substances and stuff. And those were problematic relationships. So um, that's how I was raised to think that stuff was bad, not experiment, villainize it. It was heavily villainized. And sure. uh, a very it, black so and white. I grew up believing that those things would not be compatible. And then in the Golden Dawn mm -hmm. tradition, they're not integrated into the Golden Dawn system. The Golden Dawn system is uh, a sober system, which I think is still a good thing. In the inner mm -hmm. order, you'll hear two people talk about entheogen use sparingly, again, because it's sort of left up to the person, same as like sex magic. It's like, that's like, that's not something that the whole temple or inner order needs to be present for if someone wants to do psychedelics or sex magic, right? Like you're an adult, mm -hmm. do it on your own or do it however with whoever you want. That doesn't need to be a, an official order thing. Like 
like it was for Crowley or even older groups of Masons and Rosicrucian Hashishin and stuff. So, mm -hmm. but it mm -hmm. is part of the tradition. And what's been cool to, to experiment with it as an adult, uh, you know, getting on in years, <laughs> um, is is to is to learn more about it and to learn where I was right and where I was wrong. And as far as the influence mm -hmm. of psychic development, I was definitely wrong. Um, the mm -hmm. the the impact psychically that uh, my my DMT experiences uh, in the last couple of years have have mm. had an uh, on me psychically uh, are shocking like, sure, sure, like sure. to the point that i'm sometimes in states where i can completely blindfold myself and test myself and see as clear as day what's what's around me that's a new thing mm. this is very new i haven't mentioned it to anyone yet but it's fucking scary as fuck to me like because mm. you know you'll hear people say that they can do all kinds of things but like well look, test it out like you know sort of prove it to yourself and then if you can sure. replicate it prove it to others otherwise shut up right <laughs> like you, right you don't want to you if someone's like i knew a guy who could do pyrokinesis or throw a fireball once it's like no like if if I'm, i am 100 sure if people were able to replicate those sort of things we would all know mm -hmm. about it the whole planet and if they didn't sure. let the whole planet know about it then i think what they're doing is is then they're maybe arguably evil by holding back mm. such, you know, new discoveries, right? Like, like hiding exactly. hiding aliens or alien technology from us. I don't think there's anyone out there who's like, oh, well, that could be a for our benefit. It's like, no. If you're concealing <laughs> alien technologies or civilizations or species, you are you are misanthropic to the extreme. You are against mm. human life, in my opinion. For sure. For sure, for not sure. so fucking humble opinion on that one. So, so did you have mm. um, actual sense of of psychic development from doing repeated entheogen experiments, or or just from oh yeah high school? Oh like, tell yeah. me more about Most that. Definitely. Tell me more about that because I so, just didn't have that mm -hmm. experience. And people around me in the school who who told me they had those experiences, I wrote them off, and I was wrong. Mm. So I'm very no, curious no, no, about no. that. So yeah, yeah. So like I was mentioning, I would I was perceiving, you know, auras and um, I, I also just sort of psychological phenomenon, like almost I wouldn't call it, you know, some may call this like telepathy, but almost like being mind. able to sensitively read people's thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the group mind dynamic, like sort of communicating with your friends, not without words. And yeah, yeah, things things along these lines, like if you ever read the uh, God, what's the name of the book, like the electric acid, uh, acid Kool-Aid test. You know, I'm like in the 60s, it. you had the, the merry pranksters and they would, you know, they were having whole conversations without ever talking. <laughs> yeah, they were, uh, yeah, it is, it's, a, that's a cool book you should read. But uh, yeah, definitely LSD for sure opens you to the group mind. And, um, you know, at least for me to very, very much so open me to these sort of clairvoyant phenomenon and perceiving sort of energy chakras and things like this, right? And uh, what really got me, I, I got more into like Eastern practices like meditation, pranayama, yoga, things like that, because uh, kind of interesting, just one day I was in the, uh, it's uh, it's like the court in our high school, sort of where people hang out. It's kind of like where the hippie kids hang out during, uh, you know, during lunch break, right? And people are playing hacky sack and hitting the bongo drums and stuff like that, right? And uh, one day I was on acid or coming off of it or something, and uh, some girl came up to me, she gave me a book. And it was like full of different stuff, like sacred geometry and the chakras and all this cool stuff, right? And she's like, "I just thought you would you would need this or something like that." <laughs> as as yeah. you were there, smelling yeah. a leaf from a low hanging tree branch, right? It's like a movie, right? Like <laughs> tasting it, 
lick Rick. Do you want to dive further? Need this. <laughs> no, something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, like, would awesome. you like to dive further down the rabbit hole? I'm like, all right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I started doing these like chakra practices and you know Kundalini breathing and stuff like that, which I heard you talk about uh, with your transcendent. Uh, what was it? The uh, TM, yeah, TM movement. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's like mantra yoga, right? And yeah, um, you know everything from mm -hmm. like, yeah, like the the typical practices. What is it, Vajrayana, all that? Uh, what's the breathing? Huh. I let it go mm -hmm. so long ago. It's uh, you know. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah. So I got into that, and um, I think what really like the point I remember on psychedelics where I knew that I couldn't ever go back to whatever. What would you want to call it? Like. Uh, a divorce from self and spirit or something. I don't know what you would call that, a dualistic worldview or something. Dualistic was, materialism. Um, that sounds good. Materialism, I guess. Dualistic yeah, I guess materialism, because if you have true materialism is spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I, I've said mm -hmm. this before, because like the famous, like uh, naysayer of, 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 of all these things has said on mm -hmm. recently, um, uh, Sir Robert, uh, Sir, Sir Penrose, he says he doesn't, he, even though he, he's a singular, he has a singular view of matter, but he doesn't like being called a materialist. And he says, because we don't yet know what that matter is. Mm, and I love that. Right. It's like, that is cool. Yeah. Am I, so, and calling someone a materialist tends to imply the old connotation of matter, matter, or matter materialist, mm. like clunk, 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 bang the, bang mm. the, bang the surface. Whereas that's not the kind of singular materialist he is. He's like, there's one energy substance, there's a matter to the universe and we don't understand it. That's a problem. Right, right. right. All matter, all matter is energy, you know. Or like the other two scientists I talked a lot with last year who have designed 5,000 custom lenses to perceive dark matter and that project's either been launched already or in, in, in this institute in Texas or is gonna be launched. And they think it'll be the first mm -hmm. one that successfully, they really do think it will successfully perceive dark matter. And I was saying to the scientists, because they're the daughter and uh, father, you know, and husband of Granny Rainbow, who I worked with, and I was talking to them, asking them all the crazy questions that someone who's read the Kabbalion wants to ask a real quantum physicist and engineers, <laughs> uh -huh. right? All those real, uh -huh. I'm like, you know, I was like, time, 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 tell me about time. And they're like, oh, no, no, you're wrong. This is time. I'm like, okay, so that's that. But then I was like, reality, dark matter. Is it one thing, multiple things? They're like, we don't know. We just don't know if it's all one thing or if it's many things. I was like, because right. we only perceive like a uh, part of reality. She's like, you only perceive less than 5% of reality and held up her hand. I was just like, damn, that's hot. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what the that's impression exciting. that I got doing. Yeah, that's the impression that I got doing psychedelics was like, it was opening your mind or what, you know, opening your it was clearing your lens of sort of like, like the reality is happening. We're only just perceiving such a limited scope of it. And so I felt like doing psychedelics allowed me to see more of the, what was happening around me and yeah. inside of me. Right? Yeah. And so, um, like I said, the, um, what I was saying earlier was, uh, the real breakthrough, I had several crazy breakthrough experiences, but one of them was, uh, where it's like the can't go back experience was, I was on my couch and uh, just laying down. And then I looked down, all of a sudden I was outside of my body. Like I popped out and I looked yeah. down at my body and I thought, oh, I'm dead. Like I saw a cold body without, you know, like me, my spirit looking down on my body, right? 
and I actually thought I died. Like, oh, maybe I took too much. Although acid itself, it's not uh, like the, it, what's interesting about a lot of these psychedelics, the toxicity is virtually like zero. I mean, you have yeah. to do like so much of it. Yeah. You know, it's almost impossible to die, really. Right? You're going to be tripping so hard, you won't be able to take enough to die, probably. But yeah, and you um, can be in unsafe environments or put yourself in an unsafe. I once, I yeah. once when I took nine tabs of acid, I walked up mm -hmm. and down the same stairwell in an apartment building for two and a half hours. <laughs> every, every time I got to the top, I think thought I was supposed to go to the bottom. And every time I got to the bottom, I thought I was supposed to go to the top. And <laughs> yeah. by the end, I just sat down and held my head and I was like, I'm dead. I, I'm dead. This well, is purgatory. And then eventually I figured, because yeah. I couldn't, I didn't know how to open the door. You're stuck handles. in a loop. Yeah, well, I, tried, yeah I was in a loop. loop. And it was a, it was a long <laughs> journey before that and after that. But it did, it did have the necessary uh, outcome that I wanted, which was... Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to break free. I did nine tabs. Uh, I did a massive, crazy dose of acid too, because mm -hmm. uh, a few mm -hmm. months earlier, I had lost my best friend to suicide, and she was 22, mm -hmm. or right before her 21st birthday, actually. And 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 I was like, I, it was too much for me to even handle. I, I was seeing a therapist about her loss, but mm -hmm. I did that, and I broke out of whatever despair cycle I was in. Even my therapist at the time, who I was fortunate enough to get to do a bit of work with, he was like, you know what, it's a shame. He's like, you're, he's 66 years old at the time. He's like, you know, it is a shame that we are not in certain instances allowed to even recommend this sort of thing. Uh, because we know for a fact that it can help in the right person, the right place, the right time, set and setting. Oh, for sure. Right. And sure. he's like, you're exhibiting. He's like, we worked for another uh, six months together and then just didn't need to it was by you know you're getting out of a cycle of of that sort of uh, therapeutic process when you stop talking mm -hmm. about anything any issues and you just start talking about life or medieval mm -hmm. philosophy or something else right you start talking about objective right. things and it's just like yeah i don't mm -hmm. really have much reason i don't feel i need to see you anymore and you know mm -hmm. so they can be really powerful tools to uh heal from traumas no, especially like the loss of such a close friend and that sort of thing so but again, you want mm -hmm. to be careful. You got to be careful, and and you never. Oh know, yeah, oh yeah. Never know how bad it, it can go. You can you can definitely lose your mind. <laughs> oh um, yeah, yeah. That's one thing about psychedelics. I'm I'm not. I do actually think most people should try them. But if you have you know some sort of psychological issues, or um, even if you don't, I mean, even if you're psychologically sound and you're doing them too often or at too high a doses, there's always a risk. Like. You know, once you open Pandora's box, it's like, you never really know what's going to come out, right? It's, it's so, interesting, um, sort of like, mm -hmm. it's almost like they are designed to help us integrate our experiences in this reality, not ex escape mm -hmm. from our experiences of this reality. So I think if you're the mm -hmm. kind of person who's doing them to escape from your experience of this mm -hmm. reality on a fundamental level, that mm -hmm. I think maybe that's what's dangerous, you know, mm -hmm. whereas what you're doing is struggling with is, integrating and and appreciating this reality then it might be i don't know i'm just i'm spitballing here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah um like i was saying for me like once i had that experience where i like popped out of my body i thought it was basically like a near-death experience out-of-body experience right where i actually thought i was dead and uh i looked down and i realized that you know i maybe i am dead <laughs> and it was sort of like that set in like yeah. oh maybe i am dead but it's actually not it's okay. There's no reason to worry, no reason to fret. Um, and I can't but remember, I did, did have you say these this thoughts was, like, 
was this was this psychedelic inspired or, or just uh natural yeah this was psychedelic this was psychedelic yeah okay and so but the only I, I just remember having thoughts like oh but there's things to do or it's not complete yet or something like that right like it's still not i'm dead and it's okay but uh many um, miles to go before i rest yeah 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 exactly and around that time i popped right back into my body and um yeah cool. i just remember when i was in that state everything was backwards like you know they say when you're looking at reality your brain sort of flips the image backwards you know what i'm talking mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. where it's like what you're seeing is actually the reverse like when you look at a mirror everything's in reverse right and that's sort of how i was seeing the world was sort of in this reverse way right and then i flipped back into my body and uh yeah once you you know once i had that experience it was sort of like yeah, i can't just can't just pretend like you know there's not uh more going on here right so um yeah yeah that, that was pretty powerful then like i said i got into those books the different meditation practices and whatnot did that for a while and uh what exactly did, off... did you what when meditation practices did you find the most helpful because usually we read a bunch mm -hmm. try a few and then there's one or two that we're like that's the thing for me right now mm, okay i felt that way yeah, when let's... i discovered franz barden's breakdowns of the initial practices in hermeticism like some of them are basically the same mm -hmm. as golden dawn uh, meditations mm -hmm. and some of them are different then there's of course the later on crazy son goku supernatural <laughs> fantasy stuff but a lot of the earlier ones i was like okay this is the kind of breakdown that's really benefiting me because i'm going through these very nuanced stages of stuff and i'm trying to do them in a western context rather than an eastern yoga context which because the yoga mm -hmm. thing i had issues with from childhood but um, mm -hmm. did you find any any exact techniques, meditation techniques that were most, you know, powerful for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say there was a few. Like um, I got into uh, there was like some Kundalini practices, sort of like the Breath of Fire and stuff like that, right? And um, I did go to this. Uh, oh, what was it called? Oh man, I'm forgetting the name right now, but. Uh, I did, I did practice some sort of like mantra yoga kind of stuff like you were talking about. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> the only reason I stopped going there is because I got very culty vibes. It was sort of like uh, one of those, um, I don't know, I would say it was quite culty. It was cool. Don't get me wrong. It was sort of <laughs> like a retreat kind of thing, but it was cool. They're growing their own organic vegetables and there was like yoga classes in the morning and I was staying there like for a short period of time. But uh I don't know. I got some sort of weird culty vibe, so I ended up uh, <laughs> leaving leaving that place. But yeah, different different forms of meditation. Like uh, also got into a little bit of like qigong kind of stuff too. Like um, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was this qigong class they had at a park near my near my place, and so th those kind of techniques were really cool too. It was sort of kind of kind of combining. It, it was along the same lines of like the chakras, right? Where you're you're moving energy in your body and um, you know, focusing on those, those sort of things, right? Breathing energy in and out, right? And so, yeah, there, there are a handful of techniques like that that I really got into. And um, and then I think I had mentioned to you, maybe off air, but I had a, uh, a grandfather who was a Mason, like 33rd degree Scottish Rite. And, uh, you know, I always saw these like weird symbols all over my place and all over his place, like swords in the closet and all this stuff, right? And yeah. so- you know, uh, sort of at a young age, even being interested in all this symbology, and um, I never really knew exactly what it was. I heard a little bit about it here and there, but um, 
you know, that sort of opened my eyes. I, I didn't really get into the Western esotericism stuff until much later, I would say. Like I always, it was sort of always in the background, but I never really dived into it until probably years later. You so know, when did like that happen? How, how old were you when you, you took that first step into the pool of Western esotericism? Mm-hmm. I would say it was after college. I uh, think the first thing, God, I don't even really exactly remember how I found, uh, you know, I had all this background. Like I said, I had my grandpa's stuff all over the Mason stuff and Rosicrucian stuff all over the, the house. And then, um, you know, just seeing different stuff like that. But uh, I think it was, I think it was, you know, a handful of years ago, maybe like seven, eight years ago. Um, somehow, I don't even remember how I came upon it but it was uh the regardi book the golden dawn yeah and i i'm trying to failing to remember exactly how i got my hands on it i think it was i think i started looking up like freemasonry and stuff like that because my grandpa had passed yeah. away and like it, you yeah. know i think that's what it was is after he passed away then i started sort of like digging down that rabbit hole like because he was such a cool guy i mean he was so well-rounded and got yeah. a lot of influence from him because he would he was so unique compared to anyone else that i met like he would he would meet Republicans and then he would sort of pick their brain. He would sort of validate them. Oh yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Oh, why do you think that way? Oh, okay. I can see where you're coming from. He, he was always trying to get a full view of everything, right? Instead of like, no, you're wrong because we need more healthcare, you know, instead of this adversarial sort of approach to arguing or uh, communicating with people, yeah. this whole thing was like trying to get a, um, trying to get both views of all, you know, whether it's religion That's or politics. The, that really is the uh, initiator, initiatic or initiatory approach to the world, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like we, we, we have these, we, we, we have so ingrained into our souls the powers or the images of these two pillars of white mm-hmm. and black force and form. And, and yeah. all the teachings revolve around going between them, always going between them always exactly and exactly. so that's so, that's gonna make you a different kind of person that's mm-hmm. that's a different mysteries it's almost in a way the mystery of the trinity as opposed to the mystery of the the duality point of view right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. exactly exactly and being able to just seeing somebody that's able to um sort of dive into different reality tunnels right like he could take on the paradigm of a republican and be like in that, that reality tunnel and then 30 minutes later he could take on the paradigm of a democrat and be in that reality tunnel and not you know it was just such a rare thing to see i would say and so um yeah that was interesting and just you know by the fruits of his life like building children's hospitals and you know things along those lines that he was able to do that sort of inspired me to look into um i remember one day it was i don't remember how old i was maybe i was eight or nine years old he gave me this like masonic coin that had like the all-seeing eye and a bunch of crazy symbols on it. He was oh, like, oh, awesome. yeah, you should take this. Yeah, he's like, hey, you should take this, young lad. You know, I'm like, oh, what is this? I'm so, I'm <laughs> so this, jealous. Like, I'm so yeah, jealous. Yeah, it had man. all this, like, yeah, it had all this interesting stuff on it, which, you know, I had no idea what it was. But um, but it sort of stayed in the back of my mind. Like, you know, it's okay. like something you put yeah. in your pocket, literally in this case, you put, I literally put the coin in my pocket. But um, it's like, yeah, I'm going to unpack this later. You know, it's like when you get a book and you're like, oh, I'll probably get around to that later. Like something that, you know, you'll come around to maybe yeah. years later, months later. And so, yeah, I started looking into that. And then, yeah, somehow I found, you know, like Masonic, uh, obviously like the Golden Dawn and Crowley and stuff, the more I researched it. And then I got that book. And then that's sort of when I started, um, you know, exploring the Western esoteric practices, I would say. 
was around that point. Yeah. For me, it was my great grandfather and my great great grandfather, but they were dead by the time I came along. So there was no males in our family for a while, but eventually mm -hmm. I did get my first Masonic initiation and I got at when my grandma died, my grand, great grandfather's Masonic. And sadly that was in my stolen property um, most tragically, but um, mm. I did get to honor his memory by at least doing that first Masonic initiation. And hopefully one day I'll finish the blue lodge, but, but of course mm. magic, magic is first in my life before uh, masonry um, mm -hmm. though masonry, of course, is this wonderful vehicle that has kept so much magic alive through the ages, in fact. And we talk mm -hmm. about, me and my friends talk about that a lot because uh, a lot of the people I work with are actually Masons um, from different, sure. and then come to magic in different ways. And that's, that's what's really cool about that. But so what was your first real step into pra the practical attempts or usage of the Western mystery tradition? What, are, what were the first rituals mm -hmm. you tried? What was the first ritual you tried out? Was it a Wicca thing? Was it the LBRP or was it mm -hmm. a full evocation of a angel or a demon? Well, I think that, um, I think that it was interesting for me since I already had a lot of experience in Eastern practices, right? Like I was talking yeah. about Qigong and, you know, Kundalini yoga and mantra it sounds yoga. Like you, you had a very solid psychical meditative and mental magical paradigm and and self is that right you so when you went into yeah. western magic yeah. you had quite actually already sort of an initiated um sphere around you it sounds like yeah yeah exactly exactly whereas you like i read people like a fish yeah. out of water exactly exactly like i felt like i came in already with um sort of from a from a you know what would you say like an, an already practiced or already a gnostic let's say gnostic point of view yeah you had, you had direct one. you had had many direct experiences uh of wisdom and mystical mm -hmm. experience and divinity mystically directly unmediated right. yeah Other. already from a mystical standpoint yeah. or gnostic standpoint exactly and so um you know like i mentioned i got that regardi book and then eventually got um some of crowley 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 whatever you want to say right if you think me holy <laughs> If you think me holy, call me Crowley. If you think me foully, call me Crowley. And there you go. Yeah. Well, the official pronunciation is what Crowley. That's that's the actual. Well, the, I well, I was uh, quoting him. Yeah. Oh, that's what he actually said. Okay. He actually said that. So if you think he's holy, call him Crowley. If you think he's foully, foul, call him Crowley. And most GDI, of course, <laughs> came up in the GD system, so I tend to call him Crowley. Probably. <laughs> it's like yeah. Enochian and Nokian. It's just to piss off uh, Thelemites too, right? Like, oh, to trigger right. them. <laughs> I always, if I'm talking yeah. to a Thelemite, I always say Crowley. And if I'm talking oh, with funny. someone who's hardcore into Enochian magic, I always say Enochian. There you go. That's yes. the best way. <laughs> if they bring just... the white pillar, I bring the black. If they say there potato, <laughs> I say potato. They say tomato, I say tomato. Oh, that's funny. Just, I just, but um, I, I, I like that. Me. I like that. I like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. And then I got uh, much, much later on, I ended up looking at his materials too. And I thought it was interesting that with his approach um, in uh, Libra Abba book four, he talks about like his whole system is starting out with mysticism, right? Like 
he doesn't even like the LBRP is at the end of the book, like those ritual ritual magic stuff is sort of at the end. And the whole beginning of the book is like Asana, Pranayama, you know, the whole stuff that I went through. So I thought that was kind of interesting because it was sort of laid out how I actually ended up going through these things. That's a really good point. And do you know what's interesting about that hermeneutically is that for you, from your perspective or probably from most perspectives of people today, post new age, mm -hmm it would look like he's laying out the book in a way that's recognizable to the average person being yogic mm. practices and then gets into the weird shit of, of Western ritual magic. But actually mm -hmm. from his point of view, if you look at it in his time and place, what he was doing was hiding at the back of a book, the de rigueur Western hermeticism and prefacing mm -hmm. it with all this stuff that would have been seen as very new since it was his mentor right. Alan Bennett that brought it to the West. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of like Crowley saying, yes, obviously we all know now that there's these rituals of magic and, and hermetic demons and all these summonings and LBRPs and all this stuff, but there's mm -hmm. something even better to start it off with. And here it is, you know, mm -hmm. you know the, the yogi traditions of the, of the East and stuff. So from his perspective, right. he of, was getting Sort of us, even like weird and heretical in a way. Yeah. Right? Isn't that interesting? The to Western think tradition, that, not the Eastern. <laughs> it really shows right. you the the shift hermeneutically of from his time to our time, whereas his mm -hmm. the author's intention was to surprise you with something new as preamble mm -hmm. to something unfamiliar to something familiar. But the perspective now would be that he's starting with something familiar that every every new ager with the set of Lululemons would know, and then going into some crazy occult pentagram ritual. Mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. interesting i don't know that's i you know, no, i agree i think i, I find it's... those sort of understanding those perspectival changes over time is what really trains your mind to think in a in a higher way i think well yeah if you look at it now it looks like it's not a big deal because you know <laughs> look at now you have a yoga studio on every corner and meditation and like eastern practices <sighs> post 1960 the... are everywhere right but then at his time we're talking 100 years ago or whenever that book came out right like nobody even you know, it was sort yeah. of, um, it was very innovative, as you yeah. would say, or sort of shocking in another way. Too. Do you know how many people have told me in the last 20, 15 years, 10 years, especially, how many friends have been like, you know, you know what, RC, well, you know what they called me, but do, do you know what, you should really try yoga sometime. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's pretty I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, you want me to try yoga? They're like, yeah, mm -hmm. you should come with me. It's only, it's only $200 a month. And we get there at 5 a.m. and you have to get some Lululemons. And I'm like, <laughs> sorry, my, you know, like, yeah. and, and a lot of people tell me, like, even my aunt just a few weeks ago swung by to see my mom and it was like, you should really try, consider one day trying meditation. It might be good for you. And I was just like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to them. That, that's pretty silly. That's pretty like, funny. First of all, yeah. like, I, I don't, I'm never mean about it. I'm never, I never beat them over the head or anything, but it's like, you want me to go with you at 5 a.m. to do sun salutations, which I generally do when I'm in a place that has space, when I hop out mm -hmm. of bed in the morning as preamble mm -hmm. to actual yoga, which involves extended lotus positions and other things mm -hmm. and meditative states. They're just stopping at the preamble. They're stopping at the physical Hatha yoga. They're stopping there right. most of the time, right? That's like what you're right. meant to do to get so you can survive sitting cross-legged or however for hours mm -hmm. on end throughout the day. So it's adorable. And then there's the people who are like, you should really try it. My family tells me I should really consider trying transcendental meditation. Like they don't even know who I am. 
and they they say this um, all the time i i i know i'm bitching about it but i, I it's, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite things to bitch about because i it just shows you you can't you can't you can't like i don't know i'm 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 flabbergasted i'm flat like what do what do i say like what do i say what do i say right 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 well it's kind of funny like when people uh have brought up yoga to me they're like oh have you tried yoga you've done yoga i'm like uh you mean the yoga sutras of patanjali is that what you're referring to or vivekananda they're like what what are you talking about <laughs> they're, they're yeah. like we're just talking about stretching bro we're not talking about uh you know it's like do you want like- do you want to read my first tatwa diary because that's yoga right that's yoga yeah and it's yeah, exactly it's, it's uh it's you know like if you're like what's the name of your your guardian spirit for prithivi or when you work apas and tejas and they they don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm. so it's funny no, but okay we're, not, we're, yeah. we're mocking ourselves and mocking the world at the same time when we talk like this of course because you know we do, are faced as serious practitioners with a very increasingly popularized view of the things that we have spent a lot of time on and that's oh, not a sure, bad thing sure. it's not a bad thing we just yeah, need to, sure. and we, i really enjoy uh the times i've done Hava yoga it's amazing you know yeah yeah, really sun, enjoy, yeah like sun salutations are great you really don't should never oh, pay yeah. for a class to go do them i mean just mm. do them in the morning it's sun salutations like you know do do mm-hmm. do them three to 20 times and you're gonna feel great you're gonna feel great exactly yeah. exactly so um yeah so you know coming in with the eastern background to go back to a previous thread right um oh yeah i'm definitely then, del- uh delaying you're getting into the hardcore shit which everyone wants to hear like what led you to setting up these circles and 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 sure. scrying tools and what kind of rituals you really do we're we're delaying the gratis, gratification oh. here so no but let's get they're into dirty, it they're dirty t- <laughs> we're, we want we're the yummy we want hey, the, we want the juice you got to edge you got to edge a little before you let it come oh, out you know i i so. only recently found out this last year what that is <laughs> apparently all you young kids are into this thing called edging now does that have something to do with being an edge lord um oh i don't know actually that's a good I heard question da, i don't know if that's where the term maybe that's where the term came from that might be i don't know no no i've heard of i know what an edgelord is but What's i wonder if that's lord? where the term please came tell from. me the last three people i've asked have just laughed okay from what my understanding <laughs> okay what an edgelord is 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 like somebody who is um sort of like a uh what's the term for that like oh i'm doing all this demonic stuff like somebody who's sort of uh what's what's the term i'm trying to figure out how to explain it like somebody who's doing all this crazy stuff and like like only uh, seeing themselves as yeah 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 somebody who's um like trying to be trying to be hardcore and having this image of some sort of hardcore dude who does hardcore stuff and you know that kind of thing that's what i would be an lord if i was like oh you only do bloodletting with goetic demons i do it for every ritual bitch Right, I, I just sort of edge lordy before, before this podcast. I did all seventy-two demons of the Goetia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. That's what that's what I thought it was. It's like those uh, okay. sort of like people online who are like sort of um, caricatures of themselves or something. I don't oh, know. so an edge lord is not taken seriously. It's a sort of a pejorative term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, mm-hmm. so you wouldn't actually be like hashtag edge lord <laughs> no 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 okay it's no, exactly. it's 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 a, it's a yeah so it's more of a slag than a compliment 
Yeah, exactly. 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 So it'd be like somebody who's like, oh, you're really enlightened because they drink green tea and oh. see, of course do, you know all this stuff, Ryan, because you're such an edgelord. Right. Did exactly. I use it right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, oh, probably. I don't know. All right. I, yeah, maybe I am an edgelord to an So degree, it has right? nothing to do with the <laughs> sexual kink of edging. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. I totally not, assumed not it did, of course, because whenever I asked people what's an edgelord, they just laughed and the, or they did the LOL emoji. And I was like, no, I'm actually asking. And then they send me a crying tear face emoji. I'm like, please tell me. And they're just like, I'll talk to you later. I'm like, what's wrong with my question? Like, I'm sorry. Right. I'm turning 40 on Sunday. I don't know. I'm getting old. I, I think edgelord, it's like on the edge of insanity or being a complete nutball or screw job, you know, like sort of detached from reality or something like that that's what i think uh, it's from but yeah, so it's, not, def not it's too... definitely not a complimentary term no 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 yeah okay so if not. i want to diss someone hilariously call them an edgelord <laughs> when they're not there you go there, there we you go. go yeah exactly we, we're but, musicians uh, man we need these terms in our back pocket for for banter for sure and that'd be a good name for a band the edge lords yes <laughs> but would it be like a Yank, would it actually it sounds kind of cool to be honest the edge lords <laughs> would it be a comedy yeah. would it be like uh you know a metal band that takes itself too seriously but with tongue-in-cheek like weird al yankovic style like guar or would it be like mm. sincere like we're the edge lords but the real edge lords not the ones you're making fun of we're the real ones we really are edgy <laughs> like you know that would be like three teeth or something like that because there's no joke about that band. and their music's actually designed to like purify like the clipo by going into deep subsonic realms of, of, of yeah. lower spiritual like and they're actually like they were you know the singer was trained to do that magically using golden dawn and hermetic style magic by danny carey and mm. adam jones from tool so like that's crazy mm. that's all real yeah that's a trip huh there's a trip. musicians out there like who, who are getting big who are doing serious global transformative magic through very deep sonic theurgy oh yeah for it's sure impressive. for sure i think you talked about that in one of your podcasts right well, I think no one else is, so someone has to talk mm -hmm. about it because it's going on, and mm -hmm. it's such a cool uh, genre, for like you know, of magic and music. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, what what uh, got you to set up your you the circle as you have it today? Like, what how do you find Jason Newcomb, and what what sort of rituals mm -hmm. are you doing with your whole magical setup? Mm -hmm. Okay, so like I was going back, I started doing the LBRP and the Middle Pillar, and you know, a lot of the uh, the um, introductory rituals that you'll see in Crowley or Rigardi's books and things like that, right? And then, um, you know, just diving deeper into those practices. And then, okay, to kind of segue this to Tool. So I remember, oh, yeah. um, like, I'm a huge Tool fan. I'm a huge yes. Tool fan. So I saw them live tool. so many times, sober and on psychedelics. And even if you're not on psychedelics, the whole experience of the concert. The last time they were in Vancouver, their... I went with three grams of mushrooms. Mm -hmm and oh, my two friends didn't show so i was alone in between these two seats with a gram for each of us so i took all three grams which is not mm -hmm. a lot for me but for a concert that's sufficient and i i sort of remember the concert i heard it but the main thing i remember is that maynard was talking to me the whole time and telling me how special this show was for him and for me and like narrating everything <laughs> from where i saw him on stage up in like i was sort of to the side of the stage 
but I could, re which was cool because I was upset at first to miss the laser show, which was phenomenal mm -hmm. apparently. But I was like upset, but the mushrooms were like, no, it's meant to be. And I was like, how do you know it's meant to be? And then I hear Maynard's voice, man. I'm like, he's like, because I want you to see what we're doing behind the stage. I want you to see the pedals mm -hmm. we're hitting. This is just for you. It's just you and me here. And I was like, Maynard, Maynard. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he talked about <laughs> the whole show. <laughs> That's and it was hilarious. epic. <laughs> that is pretty hilarious. Well, well, what's cool about Tool is even if you're not on psychedelics, which I've actually seen them not on psychedelics yeah. before too. It's that was the, the first time they have. You know, they have psych. Um, they have a uh, sacred geometry going on, right? Like yeah. Neutron's cube and stuff, and they have a, uh, you know, like the um, and they play par parabola or parabola. They have the the Kundalini um, uh, CG going on and Alex Gray stuff and. Just how the way that the whole visual and audio come together in sort of a spiritual experience, right? It's sort of their they're sort of doing ritual magic on stage, really. And from what I heard, they do yeah. actually do yeah, like they are. the LBRP. They do have the LBRP Dude, they, before they, they have the Enochian tablets yeah. on all four quarters yeah. of their rehearsal space, and they each represent yeah. an element mm -hmm. in their rehearsal. And now a word from our sponsors. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, Danny Carey has that like Sigillum de Ameth that he brings around to like, even some of like he has uh, Enochian sigils and stuff like that um, on some of his yeah. toolkit, right? Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of, you know, I started, um, you know, this is way back. I remember looking up a song on Lateralis, which was like a very influential album on me because that was in high school. I used to listen to that like daily, right? And um, there was a song uh, called well, Schisms uh, About it, the Golden Dawn. Mm, there you go that'd be an interesting podcast but uh, well, you know he has that's like what a... they, that's what they said oh interesting interesting okay. yeah i mean thematically um, like as a vague vague thematic idea right mm -hmm. like because mm -hmm. obviously they like like any masterful musicians they're going to take the basic idea and extend it to the ends of the universe but yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah just getting into you know finding out they have these like enochian words and some of their songs and like different, oh, different stuff like that right yeah 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 so like uh really let's see hold on yeah so they're in the album lateralis here you can pull it up right now um let me see i think it translates to the voice of god or something like that let's see so if you look up um there's a song towards the end yeah fape de oid which translates to the Voice of God, I think, in Enochian, hmm. actually. And so it's uh, one of the last songs. It's, it's just like, it's not actually a song. It's sort of this weird recorded radio thing where it's, uh, do you remember Art Bell? What was it called? Coast to Coast AM. Do you recall that show? It was sort of this weird, like, heard cult ra radio show. But it, uh, there was one time that a listener called in and he was saying he was getting abducted by aliens or something like that. They're coming to abduct us. And or something like that right and the entities these extra dimensional uh, dimensional entities are here and they're they're entering our universe or our world or something like that and so 
that they play that in the background and then the song name is an Enochian name like these extra dimen dimensional entities right so you know the more i like research this i was like oh, this what is song is it and then i remember it's called uh it's on lateralis it's like one of the last songs you have to look it up but um or i can send it to you but uh well i just think uh, listeners anyways, would love to know but they'll have to check it out um, yeah, for those yeah, who yeah, don't cool. know, Tool is famous for never publishing official song lyrics, and mm -hmm. that allows them freedom to change occasional words while they're doing it live, to have even, mm -hmm. they rarely do alternate recordings, but on the few that exist, like Salival, um, of course, in which there's very explicitly Western esoteric songs named after like Merkava and, mm -hmm. and some other mm -hmm. stuff, right? Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. But they don't oh, do official song. song lists and that way they don't have to answer for what's in their songs and what you're hearing isn't necessarily what you think you're hearing. They'll take one thing, say it like another thing because they're all about the interpretive mm -hmm. process. Exactly. So it's called uh, Five de Oyad is the name of yeah. it. Yeah, and so, which I think is the voice of God. And um, yeah, just seeing that. And then like you said, yeah, they have the Merkaba and they have uh, like the Tree of Life on the Saliva album. They have the Tree of Life on their... Um, on the album art right and so my buddy uh, has yeah, just... my my old bassist has one of those mm -hmm. uh copies of salival on mm -hmm. on vinyl still in the silver packaging and mm. after a tool show he got it signed by everyone but maynard oh that's awesome that like when, apparently, that's they, were, apparently sure. they were dumbfounded when he pulled it out of his his coat mm -hmm. and showed it to them as they were loading onto the bus and they went through hell to, to get them because encountering those mm -hmm. guys after a show is next to impossible i think you're more likely mm -hmm. to meet them by paying for an expensive wine tasting or something but he he got it right it was, it was crazy it was like this talisman we would all just sort of worship at in front of it <laughs> like an obelisk <laughs> and be like can, uh, can i touch it next it's like yeah you can touch it next <laughs> uh, that's hilarious that's oh, awesome, it is man. it is awesome. yeah that's super dope but oh, can you um, imagine yeah oh man i would love to have something like that all um, i have is like the limited deluxe version of of uh it's got right here actually i'm touching it now of uh lateralis um on vinyl but i also what i have is more special oh, nice. is the i have the they only made 3500 copies of the live at the eight ball recording of maynard's project pussifer the one that he kicked off the whole project with i never knew mm -hmm. that that like because they did that video in 2001 of country boner um oh i love that right it's well who doesn't it's maynard wearing a strap on <laughs> under a full suit with a wig dancing around a stage in arizona singing my boner my boner my boner won't boner go, can't down. go down and <laughs> yeah, then like exactly. the famous bridge that goes group sex group sex which because cut oh right yeah right, so right. i have that song on vinyl uh from the pussifer thing but this is the original eight ball recording of the show from that eight ball cafe and billiards and it's still mm. sealed and everything, but I'm definitely going to pull it out. Maybe I should do that for my birthday this Sunday is pull it out of the vinyl, uh, unwrap the mm -hmm. packaging, put it on the record player and just live stream me listening to that vinyl. I don't know. I'm going to do something fun for my, my for Sunday online. So stay tuned to my channel. Are you going to random live? Are you really going to, are you going to unwrap your package and listen to Country Boner? That sounds pretty erotic. Well, <laughs> you know, I want to do something special and unwrapping and, and live streaming my package probably wouldn't be that. Uh, <laughs> live streaming my package. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Unwrap my package and then live dude, stream I, it. I was a performer. It's 2021, baby. I was a performer full time for 10 years. I've already done it all. 
as I'm sure you yeah. can imagine. Um, right. That I want. Is, is this like some kind of sick plug for your only OnlyFans account that you uh, <laughs> just recently started? <laughs> oh my god, dude! Is there a way that musicians could take advantage of OnlyFans? Because or magicians, musicians, magicians, same thing. The, the, could you imagine that if if like magicians started being like, okay, you want to really see me do ritual work? Here you go. <laughs> on right, OnlyFans. Only fans, yeah. You want to oh, get the real? Oh my god, wanna, that'd be so. You want to see the real edge lord at work? <laughs> oh my god, oh my yeah. god. I did have to make a OnlyFans to watch some comedy. I was like, "What comedians oh, doing on OnlyFans?" And they're like, "Comedy." But afterwards, like, it started like sending me suggestions for all these like you know, people, pornography people, and I was like, "Yeah, it's like you know, you don't need to pay. No, don't don't do that." Plus, I just have no time for that stuff. Who has who has time for that stuff? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean yeah exactly uh, i guess mm-hmm. a lot of people do these days that's the whole point so whatever mm-hmm. i like I, I i i agree with jason louv on all of that stuff like go go more power to you go do it whatever you know yeah you can't exactly. take people's jobs away and expect them not some of them not to become whores yeah exactly As musicians say, are uh, whores in the first place aren't we it's like hey i want you to perform yeah. for me and some friends how much will you pay me that's it right Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just a chance to do a gig is, uh, you know, yeah. Sort of a, a and we charge more based on how many people want to watch us do what we do. Exactly. Very exactly. horish. Very horish, brother. As, Cro- as Crowley said, "Stream what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law." That's, uh, the law of the oh, here. if you don't make that T-shirt, yeah. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Stream what That'd thou cool. wilt shall be the whole of the law. <laughs> Support exactly. praxis of the obscure podcast and magic without fears today oh there my go. god we could there make it go. as a g-string mm. <laughs> there we go. so so what was um, the book that got you into developing an actual circle uh to getting like you got jason augustus newcomb's uh magical circle on your floor and you've got a whole goetic setup right for the triangle of of manifestation oh, i don't have no 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 i don't have goetia actually i've never it's an enochian setup you definitely have the it's Inokian an enochian setup, setup. Yeah, exactly. I have well, a, I have an Enochian setup. I have um I have uh, Jason Newcomb's uh, uh, Enochian circle. I have that. That's well. right. Uh-huh. And I was, I have I was my, just looking at those I, pictures you sent me again last night, and you have a, such a beautiful setup. I really I was really inspired by it. Mm, nice, nice. Um, yeah, I have like the insigns of creation. I have the uh, the uh, tablet of union and. Um, the sigillum uh, or sigillum DMFs, right? I have the the ones on the bottom of the table, and then the central one under under my scrying device, which is a black onyx. Uh, you know, you crystal. know. That, so the, the difference between sigillum and sigillum, you know what the difference is, right? Mm, no. Ecclesiastical versus uh, classical Latin. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. The only yeah. reason I actually. I actually, when I read it, I read it as sigillum, or the first time I read it, right? Sigillum. But the reason why, this is a good segue, the reason why I call it a sigillum DMF is because the first time I scried the Aethers was through an online Zoom scrying thing with uh, uh, Lon Milo Duquette. That's actually the first time I did any Enochian magic was he offered this, um, I think it was like a couple years ago, uh, this Enochian Zoom class. It was like a four-part series where he explained, kind of went into the history and sort of the um, 
uh, like building the table furniture and a bit about John Dee's kind of biography, things like that. And then he did these uh, online scrying sessions through a few of the aethers, right? And so, uh, and he called it the sigillum. So I think I just started calling it that. I used to call it the sigillum when I read it, but then I think I just kind of took on that pronunciation, you know? Yeah, well, and it's, so, it's uh, Latin, so either one works. I, I actually recommend people blend ecclesiastical and Catholic, uh, ecclesiastical and classic Latin in their work. I recommend that people blend the two. It makes it simpler. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to be hardcore, mm -hmm. learn how both pronunciations work and then alternate or use them as you will. Like, like that's what I do. But I mm -hmm. recommend people just sort of blend it together because they're both fine. And if you think that classical Latin is, is like cooler or better than ecclesiastical, you probably haven't heard how classical Latin is said. Like, let me give you a quick example. Here's the difference. You heard of Veni Vidi Vici, Came I Saw I Conquered? Mm -hmm. If it yes. was classical Latin, the way Caesar actually would have said it was Weni Weedy Weeki. Whoa, weird. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, trippy. baby. Uh, so hmm. classical Latin may be classical. And as we know, everything that's older is better. Not. So mm -hmm. like you can either go Veni Vidi Vici or Weni Weedy Weeki. And mm. uh, I mean, yeah. So the, the that's that's the difference. Like, yeah. That's that's, oh, that's that's so so sigillum it would be uh, ecclesiastical and sigillum would be uh, classical and you know and but the word emet emet mm -hmm. dei dei is gods mm -hmm. it's the sigil of God's truth dei mm -hmm. emet is a trans Latin transliteration of the Hebrew word for truth which is emet so it should always be emet mm -hmm. because it's Hebrew interesting it's not okay. it's not verum it's not sigillum de vero. Mm, okay that's interesting yeah that's a, interesting. that's a nice little lesson i know right there. I'm, okay. I'm full of fun facts right oh you're dropping facts on that ass huh nice oh yeah baby um, i'm talking to a, a homeboy <laughs> musician magician in korea how could i not mm -hmm. just have view this three hours as like pure caviar this is talking to you buddy is mm -hmm. fucking gravy i love it I'm, I'm i loved it last time on your podcast and i love talking to you now i just want to say thank you Mm -hmm. you're you're i'm really glad we discovered each other and i'm glad that you're taking your podcast seriously and, and really pushing it because there's so much room for more discussion on these things especially as regards mm. personal experiences i mean the we're having conversations on all these podcasts that literally would have gotten most of us killed even 100 years ago oh for sure for sure like and uh, let's let's let our freak flags fly and maybe it's mm -hmm. time coming into this Aquarian age for uh, Rosicrucians and witches and Druids and all these people to just fully be out, like, like out of the closet, out of the circle, like, like maybe, maybe, out of the broom our, closet. maybe if we, yeah, if maybe, if we, just, maybe if we stood by our shit a bit more in, in the public sphere, we might have an impact on the world for the better. Maybe, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And it'll, it won't be this mm -hmm. generation that decides that, but we could definitely have some sort of influence for the better, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I think it is a good time for that. And, um, you know, there are some pretty cool occult podcasts out there like yours and so many. a few others. Oh, so many. Yeah. Uh -huh. So many. You know, yeah, there's for so sure, many. For sure. I, I finally, mm -hmm. you know, the guy from a cult of personality who's a student with uh, David Heim Smith reached out and I can't, oh, find cool. his, I can't find his message, but I've been looking and looking. Maybe he deleted it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just being silly. He uh, So like there's all these great ones out there and more are going to come along but i think we should encourage more i think we should encourage oh more. yeah like if you have an idea for, sure. for a, a special take 
than mm -hmm. like an angle of perspective and we all have angles and perspectives then like do it you know that's what i like yeah. about you. you're you i think you you you're a naturally good interviewer oh thanks thanks i'm trying to get better but uh, it's a work in progress as they say right like always refining always um sort of improving on the process but uh yeah, I mean, that's why I really, for me, it's the reason I started, it's kind of like, what do you bring to the table or whatnot, right? Like I have my own unique practices that I do. And then also I'm really curious in, because some podcasts are more theoretical, right? Like you'll listen to them, they're talking about, which I'm interested in, don't get me wrong. I actually really like those podcasts. And I listen to them where it's like this grimoire, we found the original version of the Heptameron that it's not called the Heptameron, it's called this and this was the real author i mean that's quite interesting to me because i love have tamron was originally called the dungeon master's guide right 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 but you know what i mean i mean those podcasts are interesting too but for which me, one is that what are practice. you talking about what are, what are you talking about oh uh i don't know there are a lot of podcasts like that where it's more historical and theoretical right? name some for the um, listeners because it's not okay okay so uh I, we're acting example, like the one that i was you and me here okay, but the, there's actually you know right. thousands of people who will hear this Right. The one I was referring to, which is a great podcast, and I listen to it pretty religiously, is a Glitch Bottle podcast. A very, yeah. very good podcast. I was just and, listening uh, to the new uh, Necromancia de Medici one today. Oh, yeah. I think I heard that one. Yeah, I think I I've got this one. big... The, the newest one, right? I'm, I'm halfway through it. Yeah, I'm going to get his book. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing a big necromantic ritual coming up, so um, okay. I'm brushing yeah, it up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like even that one, right? Like it's all like historical, which it's cool. I don't get me wrong. But the reason why mine is called Praxis Behind the Obscure is because I actually want to hear what people's practice is and their what they actually do, what they actually experience, why they do what they do, and sort of what theory or what basis it's on, right? So it's yeah. like practice, right? The theory in practice, magic in theory and practice, not exactly. rather than rather exactly. than magic in history and this history this is an older version so it's better which is a lot of material seems to be like that out there these well days. amen so, Every, that's like, wrong again, right. no right like as yeah. you and you and i have discussed this before mm -hmm. pardon me there's so much um uh un undiscovered historical stuff like uh we we, oh, we yeah. touched we touched on this like there's there's more kabbalistic manuscripts extent that are not only untranslated and unpublished but they're not even like transcribed from the actual manuscript in these synagogues and universities so there's so much and like mm -hmm. my work was on like so in seminary i was working on aramaic spells from the second century that my teacher gave mm -hmm. me in aramaic class and he's like well this is some weird stuff that no one's ever translated or probably read in a long time here you go and mm -hmm. i'm like reading these like three four long page lists of angel names in aramaic and they're like spells to keep you safe when leaving one house and going back to another house invoke these angels and some of them are clearly demonic names by our modern standards but it's just like mm. massive incantation so you can imagine some person like you know you you and me finish our jam for the night i'm at your place in seoul or wherever you are in korea and i'm like mm -hmm. okay i'm gonna go now hold on one second just at your just at your door i'm like you know start chanting these angel names for like <laughs> five minutes i'm like keep me safe so mode it be and then i go off home to catch yeah. the subway right <laughs> like that's so hilarious. they were doing these things all the time and like yeah that stuff's never been published like most of this stuff's never been published and the de medici mm. uh stuff hasn't been published so it's 
the historical stuff is great, but I love that you called yours praxis behind the obscure. At first, to be mm. honest, buddy, buddy, I thought you were naming your podcast perhaps to piss off Nick Farrell. Oh, that's interesting. That's because funny. he's famous. Oh, no, he no. famously has a pet peeve against the word praxis. Oh, that's interesting. Now, the reason he has <laughs> a pet peeve against it is because he's so tired of all these chumps using the word praxis as a fancy word for practice. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, you know what? Um, Which it actually, isn't. No, no, no. It isn't. It isn't. Actually, uh, to go back to music, there is a cool band called Praxis, which I really, uh, I saw them live actually long, long, many, many years ago, but it's actually Buckethead. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, really, I think he's like the best guitar player alive, probably. I'll send really? you a clip. Buckethead, and then it was, uh, he was the guitar player. Bernie Worrell, who was the uh, keyboarder for Parliament Funkadelic. You know, Parliament, the Parliament, right? You're familiar, no. I would imagine. No? Interesting. No. Okay. God, yeah, I got to send you a lot of links no. after this. <laughs> I mean, I know I talk okay. a good game, yeah. but what people don't realize is I mostly listen to like instrumental Celtic bands, like Irish bands, like oh, Deedly, awesome. Idle awesome. Day. Like most of the music I listen to is in nine. Mm, okay. <laughs> you know okay. that's why i like tool in the rock sphere because like i'm used to counting in nine and six and seven mm. and doing like these you know horn pipes <laughs> like yeah i love uh that's what i listen to a couple of your clips uh playing celtic music that was awesome oh man i mean i love i love fusing that with rock and and metal i love that oh fusion it's all some of my favorite shows ever is when i guested at a festival here and there on my Ill, Irish Illin pipes with like a crazy rock or metal band. That's some of my favorite moments ever, right? Of course, mm -hmm. it can be a little problematic when you're like, look, I can play in D major, G major, or E minor, A minor, D, D major, or G. And then they're like, okay, cool, we got it. Okay, we're playing in A minor. And then you're like, you start and you're like, this is not A minor. Like, oh, sorry, C sharp. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. I can't do it. And then you have to like bend every right. single note and just create sound effects rather than actually play along. That happens. Musician mm -hmm. problems, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Got into that. No, though. no, no. I agree. I agree. Um, we have to be careful uh, not to go too headlong into music because that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a separate podcast, really, huh? Um, yeah, but I don't want to talk about music ever, really. Like, I'll talk about it in the context of the occult. That's exciting. But talking about music on its own... Fuck no, that's just like it just drives more me fun to do. Yeah, I want to go play. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. staring mm -hmm. at my case, my hard case that holds my trumpet, my illin pipes right now, and I'm like, mm. I could probably get away with a few notes later in the bathroom. No one will notice. No, they'll call the cops. <laughs> the cops will be like, you're having a party. Like that single karaoke player singer who was streaming online in England, who was singing karaoke right. to his YouTube fans and got arrested and beaten because his neighbors oh, assumed he was having a party. And it's just some guy, he's there just dressed up as Elvis and the cops come in and start billy clubbing him on the ground. It's oh, like, oh. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he's like alone, just live streaming Elvis karaoke to his friends mm -hmm. <laughs> online. <laughs> or his fans trying to make a living. Oh my God. Oh wow, oh, that's God. pretty sad. That's that what's terrifying about playing music indoors right now is your neighbors will rat you out and the cops will break in. That's what's terrifying Jeez. right now. That's why I'm not even Jeez. practicing hardly at all. If you see me playing music, it's on like a 20 minute live stream and then I'm done. 
because it's just the cops too, are going to come in they're going to smash dude, your limb, your you, limb you, pipes. you just can't trust them right now you just can't trust the the, right. the climate of violence in the world it's it's uh it's, it's mm -hmm. scary so you're very lucky you're in korea sure. and you you're jamming with a band and playing shows i'm very jealous we're not playing shows actually but we are playing okay. we, you know we have our practice room and stuff like that and uh yeah. small shows are allowed but yeah we'll see we'll see how that goes can't really anyways um, a small, small show yeah yeah for sure cannot will we break even let's put it that way you know it's basically a, a free dinner and uh drinks <laughs> that's what it hey, comes down at this to. point i would take it yeah. i would take it yeah hey i'll take it yeah, exactly well exactly. Uh, yeah no better way. than nothing i mean as far as just getting a chance to play music okay so back so praxis really is a is a is what's sometimes called in academia the critical circle i don't know if you know that term or if you've heard that but it's like the idea of praxis is theory that creates practice that then right. revises theory. It's a circle, it's a Trinitarian circle. That is what the right, word practice right. means. It means theory that mm -hmm. produces practice that then, then you refine into another, that the next leads theory. to a new yeah. theory. And that circle right. doesn't repeat itself, it spirals. And that's what in semiotics, mm -hmm. semiotic philosophy is referred to as infinite semiosis. And it exactly, really does exactly. integrate uh, very well with the magical practice and development of ourselves as as magicians as well as being exactly, inherently exactly. related to the interpretive structure of human understanding exactly that's Two why things. i named the podcast that because then that's Praxis what i'm trying to dig into obscure. right Folks, right if you the aren't obscure, subscribed the occult, on youtube right? if you aren't subscribed on youtube to praxis of the obscure and subscribe on spotify and potify mm -hmm. which is the stoner spotify and itunes and all those places <laughs> review him on apple itunes go go wild with nice. my buddy ryan here and just like you know subscribe go to his only fans subscribe to those sneak peeks <laughs> out of the shower yes yeah yeah got some exciting episodes uh planned out so are you gonna do be some fun like, you know are you gonna dress up on only fans like a hentai girl <laughs> right make it real east asian style yeah hey, you gotta do uh davy 504 uh -huh. did that it worked he made a few hundred thousand off that well hey why not you gotta copy what works right so if i if i was some tall multi-instrumentalist italian dude i would totally dress up like a hentai girl <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> all right so i think anyways, it's time that we anyways, get okay. into the nuts and bolts of what we really want to sure. talk about is what sure. were the books what were the practices mm -hmm. that led you because so it's in Nokian, really, not Goetia. Yeah, spirits. I would say it's in Nokian that you have set up in your place. You have Jason Augustus Newcomb's beautiful mm -hmm. floor mat, which I will definitely be getting one. I will be getting all his floor mats once I uh, once things uh, once I know where I'm going to settle. And and you have the Sigillum de Amet, and you have mm -hmm. all this stuff set up. So what were the books that led you to set that up? What led you to mm -hmm. find Jason Newcomb's uh, uh, tools, which are wonderful? and and what sure, sort of work sure. have you done this is how i really want to you know this is the body of the podcast here baby let's get into the mm -hmm. real business yeah sure so as i mentioned it was um um a couple years ago that uh i have to look when it actually was probably like a year and a half or two years ago that i did the scrying session with uh lon milo duquette which i think you had mentioned that you'd done a scrying with him i before, i too, did right? i did a, a, a hardcore uh enochian day with him and and troy mm -hmm. troy sprue who i'm actually getting together with at his studio he's the head of the oto or one of the heads of the oto and the freemasons in vancouver 
or in New Westminster, mm -hmm. and I'm going to get together with him on Wednesday at his studio. Oh, cool. And he's he he uh, invited me to the lawn stuff <laughs> in Vancouver, where we did a bunch of Enochian work, and that was very oh, powerful. Awesome. It was the first time I did money magic actually in that Enochian work, and mm, interesting. Woke up the next day to a random thirteen hundred dollars being in my account from a source that didn't make any sense. No, oh, that's awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so did that, and then you know, just just experiencing it even through Zoom, which you would figure like you know some people might say, oh, yeah. that's not going to be that's not going to work. Yeah, let's talk about that. Cyber you, magic. You need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need. It to works. Have, Why yeah, does cyber I mean, magic work, but astral initiation gets poo pooed? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had I had a great, profound experience um, doing the Zoom Enochian scrying session, right? And uh, I, I really like the way you know now, now that this is a couple years later, like I've seen the Golden Dawn version of uh, Enochian uh, pronunciation, and then there's like the quote-unquote traditional D version, and then there's the like you know there's different ways that you can pronounce things in any well, language. i have different an essay one of my dialects right one of my main essays on amazon one of my e-manuscripts addresses this issue mm -hmm. 20 years ago with my roommate martin mm -hmm. and no one has even touched on our comments ever since mm, the different um accents and dialects so right? like lon's version it sounds more like italian or romantic sort of version right? yeah so, so it's interesting you can go check out on amazon uh, the Call of the Portal by Fred Arsene. Oh, I bought. I uh, actually bought. That. Yeah. So all yeah. we did, all we did, was look at this essential. Uh, this is like really the Call of the Portal is like the third Enochian thing that you do in the GD, because it's what allows you to uh -huh. to cross the abyss and bring down the supernals mm -hmm. by holding back the demon Karanzon with these mm -hmm. these three divine beings, and we we transliterate translate the thing and everything but we looked at, at at pronunciation issues as defined by d by mathers and so on and that's why even martin's order because martin's the head of his own order one of the most popular orders around actually in the golden dawn today mm. with his mentor pat zaleski um mm. and he still uses the pronunciations that we worked up based on our analyses oh, that we did together because he and i did a lot of our advanced work together where we were conjugating the the tetragrammaton for the Shem angels. We had to figure this stuff out all ourselves, oh, cool. right? It wasn't in books yet. It wasn't in books. We just mm. had to sit up there. Then we go into the temple at two a.m. and do three hours of ritual work and call it a night. But all that's did, did all you we guys did. ever? Uh, sorry to interrupt. Did you guys ever publish your um, the Shem Hameshroth stuff? No, no, no. So we were just looking at basic Enochian stuff because we were both in portal in the portal grade at the same time of the Golden Dawn. We were both mm, in okay. portal. So we were allowed to finally experiment with Enochian stuff properly mm -hmm. um, nice. under that curriculum. And we, we went at it, we went at it hard and we wanted mm -hmm. to understand pronunciation. Now, I really don't like, so in his order, they still do like, instead of like, instead of exarpe, they'll do exarepe. Mm -hmm. And that is, oh, that, okay. is that is explicitly out of the study he and I did. Um, mm, um, and I do credit him in the thing because you know I wrote it, but we we did the research together and came up with these. And it's just a compare. No one had really, and and some of the things that people have said since aren't accurate when you compare it to our research. Though I would really love mm. it if people just digested our research and moved on. That would be great because we need to all move right. on. And from my understanding of moving on, what I mean by that is like 
there we even more advanced research since then i think from tony fuller or it's maybe mm -hmm. from some of the other gd scholars they've made it very clear that the original golden dawn didn't just use what lawn would would displace as the golden dawn style lawn mm -hmm. isn't aware or wasn't aware of the the fully nuanced understanding that comes from just pages of handwritten notes that i think west goddard mathers made and I think it's mm -hmm. Farrell or, or Fuller, one of these guys, of course, who have been like, okay, no, it's clear from these notes that they used mm -hmm. both these methods of pronunciation. So they didn't necessarily mm -hmm. use the same rules that me and Martin noticed were being used, but we, mm -hmm. they, they, do, they do use the, um, I guess, the long form pronunciation, like, so like, you know, it'd be, mm -hmm. you know, in the call of the Olsomp, Varsaj, Goho, Yerbalta, right? They, they, mm. the, the fluid, but then they would use the um, Zodakata Eka, like the full pronunciation of certain letters, as emphatic points within certain moments of using the mm, language. So the original Golden Dawn mm. did use both styles. As points of emphasis, basically. Yes. Yeah, and, interesting. And, okay. and, and that is gotcha. what made total sense to me because when I first did, when I did Enochian work with Lon, I heard mm. how he did it and I loved how he did it. It made perfect sense. And I loved mm -hmm. the Golden Dawn method I had learned. And I could instantly see that the two would combine. Over the next two mm. years, what was crazy was that I did all these entheogenic experiments with Enochian specifically, um, oh, even nice. before I even realized that Dee and Kelly were using entheogens to develop the Enochian system, which they were, as I clarified. Well, which my is an interesting. You, um, I've clarified no, which that. Which is very. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's actually so interesting to me that you mentioned that. It's because when I'm doing, so I've done, you know, a variety of different sort of meditative practices and magical practices, right? But uh, um, the practice that has come the closest to the states I experienced while on heroic doses of psilocybin or LSD or what have you has been Enochian magic. Like when there's right, certain okay. states, like it gets me into a trance or it gets me have into a. Have you ever been? A, uh, a space where it's so similar to being on a strong psychedelic, you know, which have is you, have quite you interesting. Yeah. Either in ritual, more likely out of ritual on those mm -hmm. high doses. And you, it's like, it's like people are talking to you, but not actually talking to you and you're hearing a language in your head. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah you heard the language, the, like the mushroom talk. Yeah. It sounds yeah, it so does much sound like, kind of like an Enochian. It does. Yeah, exactly. It I think we talked like, about that before. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think yeah, I think this is, I think it's there may true. be no frontier more important for people to explore and realize than the fact mm -hmm. that the language you hear in DMT realms and in high doses of mushrooms, like it's so similar. It's almost sounds like someone speaking mm -hmm. something properly, whereas compared to us, we don't know how it should sound. Right, yeah, like imagine you and I are trying, we're tried to speak Italian by reading a bit of Dante to each other right now, mm -hmm. not knowing how it's pronounced. We'd sound mm -hmm. ridiculous, of course, and childlike. Sure. But mm -hmm. then if you heard two Italian guys speak in Italian, you'd be like, oh, that sounds like almost a completely different thing, but you can sort of see how what we were doing was kind of similar. Exactly. So exactly. that's what I, I think, think it is like with Enochian, yeah. the way we use it is so far removed from how it actually sounds that as mm -hmm. soon as you go into these altered states of, of ayahuasca, DMT, uh, probably mm -hmm. peyote, though I don't know yet, um, mm -hmm. or, or um, psilocybin, 
like that's the language you hear the the way these spirits communicate is in these sounds that just sure. i think that's what they were hearing i think that's what d and kelly were hearing well it's certainly possible i mean it certainly sounds um feasible for sure and at least the way it's, it's a sort much of like, more valid argument it? for us to promote than the argument yeah. that d and kelly and enochian magic and magic in general has no mm -hmm. common ground with entheogens oh yeah for sure for sure well um, this is controversial like all of this stuff is this we you and me are on the outskirts of of accepted theory here in what oh we're for sure well for sure. <laughs> i love it well, you're like that... you're like for sure what we're saying makes the most sense and it's like you know we're like but, in the margins the of accepted reality and you're like well yeah for sure so you're super comfortable of saying the most extreme things believing it's the, the most extreme truth while recognizing <laughs> it's on the extreme margins of acceptability i love that you're, you're comfortable with that bro well yeah exactly if you look at like i mean come on if you're looking at like like wikipedia <laughs> john john d and it's like the court astrologer to um uh elizabeth or something and then it says like into very obscure shady occult practices or something like that that had no relevance or something you know like if you look at like the official narrative of d on oh, yeah. um, google or wikipedia well officially like he some... wasn't actually even a doctor right right, right. i think he was a doctor like, of theology or something like that right but it's like we're talking about the obscure practices and the obscure part of his practice <laughs> like we're going all the oh, way yeah. down the rabbit we're, hole we're, we're, yeah. we're in the praxis of the obscure of the obscure exactly the obscure exactly. praxis so, of the obscure shall we take that bathroom break yeah. now brother oh yeah sure okay awesome cool. brb let's do it all we're right back. so let's see yeah we're back in action right so yeah as we were talking about the obscure of the obscure and enochian magic um nuances a friend of mine just nuance. sent me this uh interesting nuance in the nuance yeah I'll have to send you this link, but a friend just sent me this book called The Path of the Serpent. It is uh, volume one, Psychedelics and the Neuropsychology of Gnosis. Looks pretty interesting. I'll have wait, to, is that uh, the one that I haven't I just, looked through it yet, but. Uh, is that the one that, wait, what's it called? It's called, oops, my phone There's is a bunch freezing. of those sim uh, similar titled books, I think, that people have been recommending me, and I'm trying to, mm -hmm. trying to, I want to keep up on that stuff, but yeah, there's a lot of, like, and then mm -hmm. I, when I looked at uh, the book, maybe it was the one you, you, maybe it was you that recommended it. Say it again. It's um, The Path of the Serpent, uh, oh, that's not Psychedelics bad. and the Neuropsychology of Gnosis. Yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Oh my God. Because there's this other yeah. psychedelic entheogen one that I put on my wish list that I was like, yeah, I need to read mm -hmm. that right away. I don't know if it was you or someone else that I, that recommended it. Um, but there's like so much literature coming on this, and right now it's it's just fabulous, fucking oh, fabulous, for, for sure, for sure. Um, oh no, alien just... information theory, psychedelic drug technologies, and the cosmic game by Andrew Gallimore. That was what someone recommended oh. me. So that's on my yeah. wish list. I already yeah. have like a million, like a hundred thousand dollars of books on my wish list, and it's like, and I'm realizing that it's it comes to like less than three percent of what I had in my stolen library. So that's depressing. I always thought my stolen <laughs> library was worth a couple hundred grand because it was insured once for over a hundred grand, but now I'm realizing it was mm. now it's closer to like 
six, 700 grand based on current book prices. So that's depressing, but Hey, life goes on, life goes on. Yeah. All I want to do is yeah. walk through the forest with my staff and then come home and sing Scottish ballads all night. That's all I want to do, man. <laughs> For sure. Throwing yeah, a little tool the... in there, right there. And I'm happy. There you go. There you go. Um, so I have to get anyway, this book so... too. What's it called? Oh, it's called uh, path of the serpent, I believe. Yeah. I'll send you a link. I got it. Look, oh, wait. I, I searched it and all I got was like role-playing games. <laughs> oh, weird. Course. Okay. That's Mansions weird. of Madness, The Path uh, of the Serpent. Read, 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 it's some violence. sort of... Yeah, there's an interview. I'll, I'll send you this. Um, Who I wrote it? Checked it out. It's... Uh, so a friend just sent me this link. It says um, uh, Rosicrucians, Drugs, and Angelic Transformations. Oh, sounds uh, like my buddy Chris Bennett's work. It says an interview with Dr. Tilton. Do so you know what I typed I, in what you just said and know what came up is Fyodor Dostoevsky's notes from the underground. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's what came yeah. up, which if anyone wow. hasn't read it, it's possibly the best book ever written. Uh, notes huh, from the underground. And it's a hundred pages. I read Honestly, it. I think, I think five of my top 10 books ever written um, are a mm -hmm. hundred pages like uh, uh, Arthur Rimbaud season in hell. Uh, Heart mm. of Darkness by uh, you know who, um, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. The, a lot of the best books ever written are hundred-page novellas. But Notes from the Underground it takes the cake. So if you haven't read Notes from the Underground by Dostoevsky, go read it. So read that. the, okay. But that's what came up when I wrote in Path of the Serpents, Rosicrucians, Drugs. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I'll send you the link after this. Yeah, because um, it, it's Canadian, uh, it includes Canadian the. Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Well, it includes the uh, link to the book and then also an interview with the author talking about Rosicrucians and drugs and angels. So I'm sure it's uh, along the lines of things that me and you are both uh, quite interested in. So, yeah, yeah. well, <clears throat> I'm still getting used to this whole um, entheogenic reality, um, honestly, because it's 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 a big it's a big puzzle. It really is a big puzzle. And let, mm. let's let science go investigate drugs on science's side. Spirituality will investigate them on spirituality side. And eventually we'll, we'll meet in the middle at sooner or later, if not progressively throughout. What's that saying? When religion and science finally get to their final destination, they just, they'll discover mysticism has been there all along. Yeah, no, I agree with that statement. Who said that? Was that you? Someone's, <laughs> no. No, that was no, you no. five seconds ago. That was some, some famous <laughs> theologian, man. That was, it was probably like Thomas Merton or Thomas Keating or one of the Thomases. Not doubting Thomas, he was a douche. <laughs> doubting Thomas the douche. Imagine being like, yeah. I don't believe you're resurrected. Let me stick your finger in your hole. Jeez, <laughs> right. like, fine, dude, stick your finger in my hole. And he does. He's like, <laughs> oh my God, you're alive. He's like, bitch, I told you. Because well, that's, that's a how way Jesus to know. Sounded. Right. That's how you know if anyone's alive, you stick a finger in their hole and see the reaction. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to test if anyone uh, can feel anything, right? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. My mind's going so many places. 
All right. So, <laughs> so what, where are we at? We're, we're talking about Enochian work and Enochian sure, sure. magic. So and I was talking about, uh, I was talking about working with Ron with... Milo and it worked on... doing it with him online. You did it online exactly, and it was powerful. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And so that's where I think that's a new area where you have, um, there's some magicians out there doing their own, um, sort of like online academies and schools, right? Like, so then I found out, so, so after that, I didn't anyone um, was doing anything like that. I certainly never would. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you have your own thing going on, which looks really cool. Looks really interesting too. Yeah, it's I'm a great idea. Weekly I mean, classes. Yeah. And, and Oh, that's awesome, man. That's yeah, awesome. Every Sunday classes, 50 bucks a well, month. Well, that's awesome. It's worth it. Plus Sunday you get school. access to me all the time. And uh yeah. Right. And I'm not doing Golden Dawn stuff specifically. Some people think that, but it's like, no, that's my training and background. But I've been doing a lot of things in the 20 years since completing the Golden mm -hmm. Dawn system as an adept. And um, yeah, well, I'm sure there's elements of the Golden. I mean, it's a great starting point, right? Like it's a great starting point. I don't yeah. know why anyone writes it off while they're still doing yeah. an LBRP. It's like, OK, so you, you, you do an LBRP, but you don't care about the golden dawn stuff it's like i think a lot of these people haven't done some of the advanced ritual work which and but then there's other issues like you know using the grade signs i recently posted a clip of me doing a bit of an sbrp and and i admitted the grade signs because i'm i'm conflicted i'm like i don't know if the grade signs are significant for a magician doing these rituals because the grade signs sort of trigger if for lack of a better word the experience mm -hmm of when you learn the grade sign in the physical initiation. Now, if you haven't gone through that physical initiation, the grade sign seems a little silly to me because it's not like some mm. cosmic gesture that resonates throughout all time and space and is, is, is platonically true in a metaphysical sense. It's, a, it's mm -hmm. a gesture that's based on the symbolism and experience you had personally in that initiation. So the idea that it has some sort of magical power outside of that context, to me, doesn't really follow. Mm. Unless, okay. unless you're living in a very vague world where everything loosely equivocates, equivocates as everything else and everything corresponds to everything. And, but that doesn't make sense to me. Right, right. Well, don't some of the great signs, they correspond to like water, earth, like the elements. Yeah, right? like so sign like of the enterer, the sign of the enterer mm -hmm. and the sign of silence, mm -hmm. which always follows it is the great sign of mm -hmm. the neophyte. Mm. And that makes sense. Right. Like the original Golden Dawn LBRP didn't have the sign of the enterer and the sign of the silence, because it, 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 the ritual didn't just hadn't developed that far yet. Um, and they even did the whole mm -hmm. the whole purpose of the pentagram and, and the projecting into it was for very different reasons than the originally, but things developed, they were always developing, but the grade sure. signs um, from that up to the LVX, which is the grade sign of five equals six uh, for the adept that you learn in the five, six initiation. Again, those those things trigger the initiation and the states that you were in in the initiation, because when you when you when you enter a new state of altered consciousness you want to be able to sort of get back there and work on constantly getting back there by using signs and symbols, names and images to re revoke sure. that state in yourself. Just like when you or I get ready for a gig and we put on that eyeliner and quaff our hair. I have a, I have a full <laughs> head of hair as you all know. So I, I quaff it very nicely and spiky and put on the eyeliner and the, the black and pink nail polish. We entered into an altered state of consciousness. We're like, mm -hmm. I'm ready for the stage. But in magic, I don't understand. 
I don't, I don't think we should. What's well, called, uh, I think in psychology, don't they call it like anchoring? Like you anchor anchoring. that. Yes. Anchoring. Oh, so you're yes. anchoring the LVX signs with the mystical state that you experience, right? So it's kind of like in, uh, I think in Buddhism, they have like the different mudras and those mudras are anchored states that yeah. you're bringing back into your awareness in so order like, to rechannel, rechannel that. Yeah. Right? Damien Eccles uses the sword mudra for the LBRP and the, and the, all the advanced golden dawn rituals. He does adept rituals in his mm -hmm. basic practice. Um, though he doesn't mm -hmm. actually do the rituals physically anymore, as he has said on his Patreon, uh, which I'm on, he doesn't do them physically anymore. He just does them in his mind, which I have conflicted feelings about, but, he uses the sword mudra, which is the two fingers. And the two fingers is what generally most Golden Dawn people use throughout the outer order until they learn the elemental associations with each hand. And then some of us take it beyond that, like I have quite a bit. But in every case, it's not that you're doing a gesture that has some secret power to unlock the universe. You're, you're anchoring, as you say. Um, mm -hmm. I think they even mm -hmm. called it anchoring in second edition Shadowrun role-playing. Um, when you played <laughs> an initiate in, in Shadowrun in, in second edition, there was an initiatory levels of magic practice there and they had rituals you could anchor. But it, and I was like, so mm -hmm. okay, that's interesting. And it makes sense mm -hmm. that they apply that in psychology and Buddhism or, or Tibetan Buddhism in the East, mm -hmm. because these things are anchors, right? Absolutely. What, is, what else is a sigil that a, a spirit, we, through painstaking effort, contact who then gives us a special sigil to more easily communicate with them we're anchoring that connection so that's what makes sense i'm not so sure how powerful um or significant it is to do those grade signs just willy-nilly i'm not convinced sure that without that without the well yeah without the um the underlying uh, right mystical so, experience that you're actually anchored before which is why you're doing the symbol you know so, so can you do an SBRP without the grade signs, just using the divine names and the, mm -hmm. the, the geometric shapes? Why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah. Because um, yeah, sure. doing the grade sign of practice or the other elemental grade signs at each quarter, which we would normally do, which I do, mm -hmm. the, it represents your dominion and experience and anchors you back to that grade where you mastered that element, right? And But if you haven't gone through that experience, then the sign, it's, it's almost inevitably empty or at best an attempt to pretend to, some, to mm -hmm. an experience and a power that you've never achieved or been initiated into at all. Sure, sure. So sure. like, well, when why, I, when I do why the, waste um... your time with those symbols if those symbols yeah, don't yeah. have the weight behind them? This is a question I have. Sure. It's not an answer. Sure, sure. No, I agree with what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. Um, at the same time, though, it could just be like another correspondence, right? Like, mm -hmm. so for example, and if you yeah, like it, if you're so, having fun with it, go for it, right? But like when Damien Eccles yeah. says oh, he doesn't do the this or that because he doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to him, and he he doesn't do the sign of the enter and the sign of silence. He just does the sword mudra. To me, that makes mm. sense. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense that that would work for you because you're doing a gesture that represents a sword because you're not holding a sword right now. But why would you do the sign mm. of the enterer, which has specific symbolism within the Golden Dawn system that mm. you've never been gotcha. through? Gotcha. Gotcha. Go for it. Yeah. Do the sword mudra. Do it. Boom. Mm, Don't feel point. bad about it. Yeah. 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 Know. Yeah. This is the stuff that so, no one's really talked about before. That's why I, I like bringing it up. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I've never been through the Golden Dawn at all or any of their group initiations. But, uh, like, say I do the. Um, 
supreme invoking ritual of the pentagram, right? You do. Hey? When I do, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, I mean, not necessarily daily or anything, but I, I did it recently, okay. actually, the past two days. And um, so that's Enochian. Uh, that's primary. That's fueled on Enochian yeah. in Hebrew. Exactly. Exactly. Because you're using the uh, angels of the Tablet of Union in each of the corners, right? And uh, also three divine God names, and then the three um, names, secret names of God, worn upon the banner of the whatever. Yeah, at each corner. Yeah, exactly. At each corner, the great table, right? And um, uh, then I recently started adding in. I just had a thought while I was doing it the other day, and you also sent me a video of you doing it. I had a thought, like, why not um, do the first Enochian call, which uh, corresponds to the Tablet of Union. This is usually used for activating the Tablet of Union angels. Well, the, yeah, you didn't see the, yeah, I sent you only a clip, but that's what I do. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see that part. After I so go then, to the altar, yeah. whether I do yeah. it for a watchtower, sometimes I, I don't always do it with the S SRPs. I don't always mm -hmm. do the rending of the veil and the and the call of the portal, but sometimes mm -hmm. because it works mm -hmm. in that context, it it definitely is done in the watchtower. But yeah, you do all the you do the spirit pentagrams and the spirit stuff, and then you mm -hmm. rend the veil using the portal grade sign and do the call of the portal. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah and it really uh, amped, and, amped and it up, crucially, yeah. crucially to pass by the demon Qurans on you, of course, do the sign of the enter. There's a sign of silence, yeah, like sign of Harpocrates, because as even Aleister Crowley realized, that is how you pass by the chatterer, the talkative demon of knowledge of Da'at. You pass by that mm -hmm. verbose flibber to gibbet by silence. Mm, that's cool. That's We're really giving away cool. all kinds of secrets, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, definitely. I mean, prior to um, uh, the previous times I did that ritual, I did not do the first Enochian call uh, prior to doing it. And then after doing it, I definitely felt that it sort of amped it up or deepened it much more than previous um, experiences doing it. So yeah, it was cool. And then I was looking through, because if you look at a lot of published material, like uh, for example, from the Cicero's or Regardi or something, it doesn't mention doing the first Enochian call prior to doing the SIRP, right? And then- No, definitely not. Yeah, but I was looking around and then I uh, I had a copy of um, David Griffin's Ritual Magic Manual. Well, David Griffin actually... is, is my favorite magician yeah. who I trust beyond all others. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not vouching for him at all, but uh, I actually found that he did publish it that way. Because well, I was a... looking around like, did anybody publish it like this? The way that I'm, you know, just sort of came upon myself. Okay, thoughts, that's right? interesting. Then, so, so, yeah, and, using... and he did apparently so. Yeah, well, I wonder where you got that from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, quite interesting. But uh, to go back to like getting into the Enochian, I, I mean, I David the, Griffin uh, is just a good human being. That's the thing we all need to know about him. He's a good human being. And he realizes that, that the ultimate truth is the Aryan race will survive and succeed at all costs. <laughs> the Aryan oh, brotherhood great. and like the heart of what it is to be a part of that secret Thule society is, right. is the core of human love. And so God bless that, that Nazi bastard. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like an odd fellow, but um, <laughs> sorry, I had to. I had to, man. I'm talking yeah. to I'm talking to you, yeah. and I see you as a friend, and so I just had to. I had to have a little mm. fun with it there. 
(laughs) The dude interrupted while us in full ritual doing an initiation for people who that ritual should have meant something. And he kicked in a Mm. front door doing while we were doing it. So fuck that cunt. Sorry. Like, you know, Mm. what kind of adept are you or what kind of human being are you that like goes into a baptism in a church and starts pissing on the floor? You're a scumbag. Yeah, it's psychotic. It's just psychotic. It's mentally like, you know, it's like you're lucky. So what did you guys do? You guys like, well, we had we had out or what did you physically do? believe it or not for some reason in golden dawn rituals there's something called a sentinel or a phylax if it's female with a huge sword and we had a huge sword our sword our phylax she had a big ass sword and she's all over my instagram people don't realize who she is but she's there all the time you probably cross mm-hmm. paths with her and she was the one she was the one who like he pushed in the door assaults her you know the whole temple gets we all of us officers i was think i was on the dais or higher sir higher i can't remember which officer i was but we all get pulled out to the front room because there's a scuffle there's an actual scuffle and the phylax mm. did her job glory be unto he you know and you mm. know i i, I we're I, yeah you know she, it occurred to her to run him through with the sword mm-hmm. for breaking and entering an assault but she didn't and if it was america he might have got shot so i don't know he's just a scumbag he's told that story this is how what he's told frater yeshi and other significant people in the golden dawn world he's told them that he actually marched in and we just all stood aside at his magical power. And he went into the temple and stood on the throne of the Hierophant, which clearly me and everyone else had just vacated to stand in awe at his massive neo-Nazi glory. And mm-hmm. he cursed us, our temple, and it fell shortly thereafter. None of that's true, of course. It's all abs- the absurd, absurd rantings of a, of a madman who people have allowed to continue to destroy humans' beings' lives because they're not willing to speak out about him. But you know what? Maybe mm-hmm. it's because they're scared of him. But he act, the reason he's not sued us, me or the people he did this to, for saying this stuff publicly, like mm-hmm. I am, is because he can't. Mm-hmm. Because it actually happened, and we were actually there, and we know for a fact he committed these crimes. And that's why, if it's only up to us to speak out about his crimes and his evil, then we will mm-hmm. fucking better. Because if we don't, then we're just as guilty as him. And he's mm-hmm. destroying people's lives, he's stealing their money, and he's spouting hatred. I got a screenshot of a, a video of a live stream from his inner groups of the other, the other while back, you know, cause I know people who are sort of on the fringes of his thing. And he's like going mm-hmm. on rants against the evils of Chinaman. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Dude, just Sounds the like word Chinaman <laughs> makes me want to vomit in my own throat. It's so yeah. disgusting. It's so a weirdo. He's a sick human being. Yeah. And he did horrible things to the adepts of our order to like to their personal lives. Like, sending photos of their heads on porn bodies faxing it to their jobs and to their bosses god what a weirdo <laughs> yeah sicko yeah so anyway yeah. shout out love you David. anyways yeah be well yeah. <laughs> so anyway That's you were terrible. saying you're yeah. saying about griffin's version of the enochian sbrp <laughs> right 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 and so i don't know i just thought it was interesting that that was published and it really did um really did amp things up you know and uh, to go back way further in the conversation, did the Enochian scrying with Lon, and then I started uh, collecting some books on Enochian. For example, I have the uh, Dr. John B's Spiritual Diaries. Um, I got a copy of that. The Klein? And then the, uh, or the Peterson? Oh, actually, no, that one, 
Uh, it's a Skinner, actually Skinner, but the Klein version looks amazing. Do you have a copy of that Klein version? No, but my my buddy who has a, a suitcase of my stuff in England has the hardcover of it, and I was I spent a few late night hours going through his beautiful. It's a dual hardcover or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it looks yeah, the, really. I like. The, yeah, yeah. If, I, if I had a choice to go back in time, I would get that version. To be honest, uh, he, uh, I think I still had a chance at the time. But either way, yeah, I wish I had that double hardcover Klein version. I had the Magical oh. Child hardcover, which I treasured. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I spent hundreds on it from my old adept, bought it off him when his kid needed mm -hmm. dental surgery, and that was in my stolen library, of course. But like, I loved that version. It's just a beautiful version. There's so many. I'm glad that there, there's that you can get all the information in soft cover now. But it's just mm -hmm. it's not the same as having these beautiful hardcovers. So what's the Peterson version like? Or the Skinner version. Skinner, Skinner it's a, uh, his version is cool because it, it translates, um, I don't think it's perfectly translated from what I've heard, but he translates the Latin parts that hadn't been translated before of uh, oh. John, John D's Spiritual Diary. So it's a complete English version of uh, like the true of faithful relation, right? And uh, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I think... Uh, I'm really glad to have it and read through it. The only thing I would complain about if you're going to actually buy this is the binding is terrible. Like the, uh, it's just not well, it's a hardcover book, which is cool, but it's not. Well oh yeah. Bound. Well, foolish so, fish is, it craps all over yeah. Skinner's bindings, eh? No, they're able. Hey, I know exactly because it's correct, you know? And so I would say if anyone's listening to this and they want to actually get into um, John D spiritual diaries or true and faithful relation definitely get the Klein version because well, that you can't version get looks, the hardcover version anymore it's soft cover though right yeah i think it's soft cover but nonetheless just the way he constructed it looks dude really soft covers are for pussies yeah. man <laughs> i didn't say says a guy who mainly releases e-manuscripts <laughs> ebooks well right. my theory about putting out my stuff unedited in ebooks was that it would be less likely for people to be like posting it on archive.org or on the free sites if it was all scattered mm -hmm. about like so if the gems in my if the if the pearls within my words are few and far between and scattered in random in like 40 e-manuscripts i figured it was less likely for people to like spam those to the free pirate sites and more likely sure. for people to be like oh i'm spending three four bucks I'll read through it and I'll get one or two good things out of it. I just thought that was yeah. a more. I like that. Uh, no, I like that. Idea. I thought it was a more occult way to do it. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, mm -hmm. like just splooge it out there. This is what I wrote during these years. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I was definitely young, but I was doing some serious work. But rather than if I, you, you spend two years putting it into a perfect book in perfect hardcover. And then like mm -hmm. six months later, everyone gets it for free off archive right right someone ends up uploading it somehow so well they all do they all unfortunately do. you know yeah, yeah i mean that's an unfortunate part it's good for yeah. the books that you can't get any other way like uh, if i can't get a book any other way i definitely get, look for the pdf of it like um there was a it's out of, out of publication or something yeah or just like you know it's like three hundred dollars for a soft cover and it's like two months to get like some books are like that it's like what are you talking about right like yeah, there's right. a there's a there's a sweet spot right as as artists and musicians yeah. you and i get this there's a sweet mm -hmm. spot where you're giving someone maximum value and getting mm -hmm. maximum reward but if you miss that sweet spot people aren't going to respond well 
Oh, for sure. Darn. For sure. They're going to be like, fuck it. Sure. Mm-hmm. So like, no, I agree. Even Skinner's books are great because it's solid scholarship from a reliable source. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you're getting slightly lower binding quality than you would like from a hundred and two dollar hardcover of Doctor G's D's Spiritual Diary, which is what I'm looking yeah, at. Yeah, I just now. wish I wish it was. Yeah, I wish it was um, better better bound for sure. I, I mean, I'm happy just because I like the content in the pages. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if he had a better publisher, better I don't know, craftsmanship on the books that would really, yeah. <laughs> really satisfy me quite a bit more, you know? Yeah. Well, so, I, so I, I, I'm going to be doing, um, starting February 1st, I'm going to be doing Jason Newcomb's grimoire, 30 day grimoire course. And do oh, that nice, throughout February. Nice. Anyone else who wants to do that with me, uh, I will, I'm happy to, I will, I'm going to host weekly wrap sessions where we all go over our notes and what we learned that week on my website. So people can oh, like, if they want to go through it at the same time as me, go through it with me and we'll compare notes and talk about it once a week. And that could be fun. But to complement that, I did get Stephen Skinner's techniques of, of uh, Solomonic magic for oh, cool. uh, the limited like hand bound, you know, $200 version. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so hard to he, get a that's hard to get a copy well, of. He's got a flash sale going on, I think, still right now of the limited mm-hmm. hunt, uh, copies. I don't know what it's called, but like so if you know. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm curious to see if that version is better than his mass market uh, hardcover. Hmm. Okay, but I figured either way, he deserves to get a few bucks from from uh, me once once upon a time. And uh, I don't know, that <laughs> seems like a good one. I, I am, yeah. I, mm-hmm. Hopefully, he'll improve the bindings. I don't know. Do you think he will? Probably not. Um, I don't think so, to be honest. But uh, okay, I should so... be a little more. I should be a little more optimistic. I just think because he's already uh, probably already has a deal with that specific publisher, and he's already very old, so he's probably not not yeah. so uh, open to changing his. Yeah, uh, we we really just have to appreciate him as he is. For while he's here because when he's gone we're gonna miss mm-hmm. the fuck out of him we really oh will. for sure we're gonna miss for the sure. hell out of him sure. we're gonna wish we knew him better wish we could have worked with him so here's the thing yes my buddy jesse was telling me about this the other on saturday at our at our new occult magic call-in show because we're gonna do a weekly saturday call-in show oh cool right right and and we got a great guest for my birthday one on this coming saturday we got we got um ash and chasan lined up as the guest no, nice, nice. Yeah, right. Um, mm. Hopefully, he doesn't flake. Um, <laughs> and it's going to be a show where you can watch live for an hour and call in. Oh, that's dope. You know, awesome. I think that's no awesome. one's done a, a cult live call in show weekly. So, kind of like a fuck? radio show, like yeah. old school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Let's, so, let's do it. Yeah. So, we're doing it. We're going to give it a go. We're going to try it for four weeks, see how it goes. There's, mm-hmm. We've been going nonstop on the technical end of it to make sure that it's perfect. Uh, and flows more or less well but the idea that people can watch and call in and ask a question to me that's like super exciting because the way i've whole oh, approached awesome. podcasting so far is not like i looked at everyone out there glitch bottle cult personality and all these people and i was like they're all very serious i was like so mm. maybe what i could do like you were saying with your own approach to your podcast <laughs> praxis behind the obscure for those who just joined us um as if um, my approach was to say, like, what if I was less the regular me and more of like the caricature of me? 
you know, mm-hmm. of extreme, absurd, silly, fun, those qualities that you would normally only see after a five hour gig when I was drunk. <laughs> For lack of yeah, a better true. explanation. I, I know. I know. I like the concept. I like the concept of a call in. I'm just trying to be a bit more uh, playful. And it, this... It's well, it's cool because it gets it gives uh, people a chance to be interact or to actually interact and to um you know because most podcasts they're either pre recorded or they're interviews and whatnot, but to actually have a show where the listeners can kind of come and ask questions or comment, I think that's a good idea. I think it's cool. Four forty four p.m. PST every Saturday. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's awesome. the plan. And that time zone works well, I think, relatively well. It's like Europe, it means your midnight time, so witching hour. That's why we're calling mm-hmm. it the witching hour live. Because in Europe, it's the witching hour. In in West mm-hmm. Coast, it's 444, which is Dalit Mem Tav. And, and mm. for the rest of the world, it's what it's a Saturday. So, you know, you can start your happy hour at 444 with us, or you can join us at midnight in Europe after you've done all your uh, uh, night out in the sex clubs and doing speed. Or if you're in <laughs> New Zealand, well, you know, they do that. That's what they do. Germany, if you're Germany, in Berlin, uh, you, I, yeah, I, I when was, you're coming down off the, off the mess and vitamin. No, <laughs> in Berlin, they're like, what we do is we get together first at midnight and we listen to the the witching hour live and we do the speed <laughs> and then we go to the club just in time for opening at 3 a.m oh that's hilarious no i'm that's joking hilarious. that's not really how it is but it's not far off that all we'll come we'll, we'll talk about that next time you and me but um yeah. that's the idea i just think it'd be great fun to have that sort of live experience with with magicians we all know and love who are just being chill mm. like just being chill you know mm. and and shooting from cool. the hip and if you want to ask a question, you call in, ask a question. If you want to call in and like clown them, clown them, just like have a little bit of fun. It's only an hour. So like, let's, let's try it out. Here's what I want to say about Steven. So mm-hmm. Skinner's, I think what Steven Skinner did was he realized mm-hmm. that to do the high level, gentlemanly quality production he wanted to do, it was mm-hmm. too expensive for even regular sales. So if you go to right. goldenhoard.net, which is where his, the mm-hmm. home base of all his publishings are. You can see here, unlike Amazon, you've got the regular Dr. John D. Spiritual Diaries cloth edition for 76 mm. pounds or $125, right? Mm-hmm. But down below that on the website, but not on Amazon, you can get the mm. leather edition, hardbound in real leather, tooled with gold leaf, strictly limited to 150 copies, 844 pages, for $156. So only $25 more. Yeah. $25 wow. more. Though it's actually it's, leather it's, bound. Oh, no, it's, that sounds... Yeah, it's $25 more US, but it's 50 pounds more, which is $75 to $100 more British pounds. Mm-hmm. And if you put any of those currencies into Canadian, obviously you're around half a million dollars. So <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah well, so that's the thing so sometimes you, you can, go on these publishers websites these high, and you can get i think what he decided mm-hmm. to do was say i'm going to keep the premium limited editions super high mm-hmm. quality and hopefully when i get my techniques of solomonic magic in the limited numbered version it will be that quality i used to have his john d uh, his uh, enochian tablets book in the limited mm-hmm. high quality leather version i got that in 2007 2008 from atlantis mm-hmm. books when i was there in london with my business 
and that was in my stolen library, of course. So, but the fact mm. that he's got these limited leather-bound versions still available, like you can get his uh, "A Cunning Man's Grimoire," you can get the regular mm. hardbound cloth edition for uh, fifty-six US. That's hardcover, mm. or the limited leather edition, one hundred half leather-bound, hand-bound, numbered, and signed copies only 72 Ooh. pounds sterling for the cunning man's grimoire and the, the the you can see from looking at the the image there that this is a much higher quality the hope is that the the binding lives up to that and yes he still does have the I, this has become just one big sales pitch for steven skinner ironically since you know <laughs> he's totally ignoring my emails i keep messaging <laughs> i keep messaging him on only fans and he doesn't respond uh, that's pretty funny. Oh, I don't know if it's, it's Doc. I don't know if it's him. I just went to the account Dr. Skinner. Skinner that is. I just no. I just went to Skinner. Yeah. I just looked for an account called Skinner. Skin her. It actually says Skin her. Uh. And I messaged him like <laughs> Doctor Skin her. No. And so you can still get the flash sale, ninety three pounds for the limited leather edition, two hundred copies, handbound leather edition mm. of Techniques of Solomonic Magic. So you guys oh, go cool. buy his books and tell him that um, I sent you. That's pretty cool. That way he'll finally yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm glad that I have, uh, I, like I said, I wish he used a better publisher, but uh, it's cool to have um, well, access to... I think he's having to... them made locally in mm. Asia. Yeah, somewhere, because he's he's based out of Singapore, yeah. and so, so I guess Voldemort must be some printer, sort of yeah. local... Yeah, exactly. It must be some local uh, local spot that he goes to, and he probably has a good relationship with these people, and that's why sure. I'm guessing he, he goes through them, and that's why I'm guessing... And they're not going to, uh, he's probably not going to change him. Yeah. It's not going to change it up, especially with the relationship he has going on with him. I'm sure. So I think the, the bindings are glued rather than stitched and the stitching is just expensive. So that's why he does it for the limited leather versions or whatever. And then you can get the other right. Because if you're getting actually high, that's high quality of hardback of serious scholarship with high quality paper, mm -hmm. paper and printing for like 50 to hundred us of most of his books, that's really still good. That's, I, uh, you know, Foolish Fish might mm -hmm. be a bit extreme in his critique. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm happy with him overall, you know. Are they breaking? I think Are the pages coming that, out? Uh, um, okay, so I have two Skinner books. Yeah, uh, we're, have, we're already this far. We may as well go all the way. Yeah, I have the uh, Spiritual Diaries of Dr. John T. And then I also have the Techniques of Greco-Egyptian Magic, right? And yeah. uh, the latter is quite, the, the binding is quite better on the second one i think the problem with the john d book is that it's so big that mm. uh, i do have a couple pages that are slightly starting to a few of yeah. them actually are starting to come out slightly yeah. not totally but just on the edges but i think the problem is that the book is i think it's over a thousand pages it's like a thousand yeah and just so i think the main issue is just it's so big right whereas the other one 844 so pages yeah, yeah, yeah. It's close to a thousand, whereas the uh, Greco-Egyptian magic is only a few hundred, and so I'm not having any issues with that. So. Yeah, I was going to get the Greco-Egyptian one, then then my friend Allison said, "Just I'll, I'll send you what you need to do, and you can not do that." And I was like, "Okay, okay." I'll... So if someone yeah, offers to teach you some magic directly, like yeah. another adept, like yeah, Allison yeah. is like, "I'll show you how to do these rituals so they work." Always say yes. Always yeah. say yes. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. don't have a don't have a chip on your shoulder. Don't be like, oh, I'll do it better myself with the original sources. No, man. If another magician offers to teach you what they have been doing, say mm -hmm. yes, people. Say fuck yeah. Go with you have it, all the yeah. time in the world to go to manuscripts and textbooks. 
learn yeah, from a person. Real world, yeah, real world practice and experience. People only are around underrated. so long. I'm only doing this this website Hermetic Mystery School thing for a set amount of time. Then it will have mm -hmm. enough material on it that I can just leave it to auto function. I'm, but if you want to interact with me personally, mm -hmm. do it now. Do mm -hmm. it over the next year or two. But after yeah, that, it'll thing. just it'll, it'll run it'll, on its own. Right. And the it students will be the teachers. Of, exactly. I think working with somebody who's worked with these systems or these practices um, and learning through them directly, it's not like you have to accept everything they're saying as some sort of dogma or it's the only way you can do it or whatever. But nonetheless, I mean, there's people who have been doing some of these practices for 20, 30 years and getting a chance to work with them and or take their courses or whatnot can be it can save you a lot of your time, really, at the same time, too, if you value your own time, right? Instead of having to read a thousand books, which you probably will do anyways over the course of your life, and uh, sort of getting, you know, what the, what kind of gems they found and what they found works for them, it uh, can be super beneficial, you know? And like I said, I mean, you can, you don't, you don't need to view that dogmatically, too. It's not like, you know, say you take a course from somebody and this is the only way to scry the Enochian ethers or to do this or that ritual, um, you know, test it for yourself. And this see is the only sort of way to play the, on you. There's only one way to play the D chord, brother. There's no other voicings optional. Right. Like, I, I think me and you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah it sounds it's like, look, look how that's ridiculous wrong. that sounds. Yeah. That's, you say I, that in musical yeah. context, it's like, right. There's no, right. it, you could you imagine if it someone told you that and then you ask someone else right. like, hey, is it true? There's only one way you play the D chord because they said it's true and right. that I should accept it as gospel. And your your buddy would be like, yeah, that's just wrong. You'd be like, ah, oh, but it's, they, they're pretty famous. Mm -hmm. They got a pretty, mm -hmm. they said it with confidence. It's like, yeah, but they're wrong. It's like, yeah, but what if their opinion is right? But they're still wrong because it's not yeah, true. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's why, yeah, exactly. I think me and you both took the, um, uh, Jason Augustus Newcomb had an Enochian masterclass. I think yeah. that you were, and I recommend that on all yeah. my channels and all my pages because it's mm -hmm. an excellent survey course for the yeah, master too. or the beginner. Like if if mm -hmm. it's, if the first interaction you have with Enochian stuff or Goetic stuff is Jason Augustus mm -hmm. Newcomb's masterclass, that's great because I I as soon as I did each of those seven day courses with. Aaron Leach, Ashton Chassan, Rufus Opus, S. Connolly, mm -hmm. even uh, uh, Scott Michael Stanley. Uh, Scott Stanswick. You go. You get such a good survey of the prevailing practices and beliefs. Like I would way mm -hmm. rather my students spend a hundred bucks, or my friends mm -hmm. spend a hundred bucks, do that seven day thing, and then let's talk. Yeah, it's a great survey for sure. Yeah, and what I, what I liked about it is you get different. Um, yeah, I took the Enochian masterclass and you get different yeah. perspectives, right? You yeah. get like, uh, you know, uh, you like, for example, you get Jason's perspective, very hands-on, very practical. And then you get Aaron Leach's perspective who, you know, he, he it's sort of like deep purism, although he's a golden dawn guy. But well, then, that's great. He's a know, GD guy teaching the deep purist method, which is wonderful because mm -hmm. like I already knew the GD method. So what's great about the Enochian masterclass is you don't mm -hmm. even get the golden dawn method at all. And I love that. That was mm -hmm. perfect for me because that's all I know. That's all I use. I love it. I love it. But it does mm -hmm. only make sense, in my opinion, within the context of those initiations and that initiatory school like if you were to approach mm -hmm. anyone can do enochian magic 
they shouldn't do a golden dawn enochian magic they should do depurism enochian magic that's what they should do mm. unless they go mm. through the golden dawn initiations and learn the golden dawn system within the context of that hermetic framework otherwise do the exactly. puritan mm. method or do some other method or do learn all the different strains of thought and come up with your own working practice which i think is what you've done which brings us perfectly back into like sure. the final chunk of our our epic epic conversation where we get to explore what you actually do because you've done sure, the master sure. class so we have you and me have very common language you've read my limited studies that i've released to the public mm -hmm. on enochian mm -hmm. which is eh, what well, it is what it is it's linguistic um mm -hmm. what so you've probably developed your own style eh yeah for sure so i try to take an eclectic approach and you know sort of um it's kind of experimental and see what works for me. Right. And so, you know, I've read a, a lot of books, if we're talking about Enochian or other, you know, hermetics and whatnot, read a lot of books and done some video courses as well. I like, uh, I do really like Jason Augustus Newcomb's work. Like he has, um, I took something called the new hermetics that he has. It's like six different classes or levels. Right. And so he goes over different sort of meditation practices and rituals. you went through all of that yeah yeah uh -huh, oh uh -huh. wow okay okay yeah. we gotta mm -hmm. talk because he wants me to go through it so because because i only recommend things that i've done and mm -hmm. he would love me to recommend everything but i'm like i'm only going to recommend things i've done he's like can you do everything i have i'm like yes i'll do everything you have so i can recommend it it's take, gonna mm -hmm. take some time next is grimoires but i love the fact that he has a complete system which is perhaps dare i say it a self-initiatory mm -hmm. system Oh yeah, it is for sure. For sure. And, and you did uh, it, all? it seems to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it Holy seems to shit. be loosely, it would be interesting to talk about that later because it seems I'm not, I never have been in the golden dawn or I'll be here all night initiations, but, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it would be interesting if you went through it just because the, you could see, or you can see sort of how it aligns with the golden dawn. Um, well, I, I certainly look forward to, to going through all his material because he'll let me and that will allow mm -hmm. me to, cross promote it um i only have so much time and some of it i'm sure it will be more of a survey but like that's mm -hmm. the thing the reason i'm willing to do it is because you're you can't go through another adept's life work without learning a lot oh for sure right you just can't. different yeah yeah different perspectives different approaches different yeah. uh, things they add in or things they different angles they take i think it's really cool and really great you know what i like about jason's approach he's very um hands-on and very like not dogmatic i guess would be the way to describe it right like sort of give gives you a um, sort of he's experimental like jason's like like, Stra like yeah. stratton kent I like that about Jason yeah. Augustus Newcomb and Jake Stratton Kent. Uh, Jake they're, both, Kent. Mm -hmm. they're both highly experimental. And I think experimental is the most important thing. But what that comes along yes. with that I think a lot of people don't realize mm -hmm. is responsibility. Like if you're not mm -hmm. doing these things, not in a scientifically controlled way, but in an in a intellectually responsible way, controlled way documenting your experiences right mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know for sure let's not pretend this is actual science here but like be very honest and open about who you are where you're coming from what you're doing and what happened that's it that's what we want sure exactly exactly so um yeah i think that uh if you if you have the chance 
to have a mentor or to, um, you know, for me, it's more like, you know, I, I guess I can name various people as my mentors, like different courses I've taken and people I've met and talked name to. Name them. What not, you know? I mean, I already did name a couple, right? I already did name, um, like I took Jason uh, Newcomb's courses and, you know, just people that are not necessarily published or anything. I did mean, you just feel friends, you became... friends and whatnot. Did you feel you reached a level of sort of spiritual mastery or adepthood through Newcomb's course? Did you feel, here's the better way to phrase that, that quandary, forget spiritual mm -hmm. adepthood or mastery, self-mastery. Mm -hmm. Did you feel you got a black belt out of it? <laughs> That's, I like that. Um, it's a like better way to think it, about it. It's very martial arts. Yeah, it's, it's better, very martial arts. much healthier mentality than the fancy BS terms like adept, or spiritual master, like, or guru, fuck those words. Those, all those terms are a bunch of bullshit, in my opinion. They're useful in so far as saying, look, I'm here to help you, but they're not mm -hmm. useful in terms of understanding where you stand. What is useful is like, do you have a black belt? Because if I'm training in, in martial arts with someone and they have a black belt on, I know I can try my very hardest to fuck them up. And mm -hmm. one, I won't fuck them up or hurt them. And two, they won't fuck me up or hurt me. Right. That right. good. So if someone's well, an say... or a spiritual mm -hmm. master, what I know is really what I think is I can really share everything about myself and who I am magically with them in ritual, in lesson, and they're not going to do me unintentional harm, right? They might, be, they might do mm -hmm. me intentional harm, which means they're a bad person. That, that does happen. Or, sure. But they're not going to like accidentally break my arm. Right, 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 right. Right. Yeah, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say if you go through his whole system, definitely. I think it it lays really, it lays very solid foundations in all aspects. I would say so it's very um, it was an integrated, holistic approach. So I would definitely recommend it. I think it's know, possible that it's it's the over the like. There's Chick Cicero's self initiation, the Golden Dawn tradition. There's a couple other mm -hmm. books out there that people I've talked to, like Isaac, who've been through, and. Mm -hmm. I think maybe his system, though I haven't looked at it yet, is the unsung hero of the self-initiatory model. Yeah, I would say so too. And what I like, what I like is there's like uh, different sort of guided meditations, and he uses what's cool is as a since you're a musician too, he uses like different uh, binaural beats and um, different like audio frequencies that really, I mean, why not, right? Yeah, like it can assist cha changing your consciousness and altering your brain waves and whatnot so i think that kind of approach is pretty cool as well that he integrates those things i um, i'm really excited to try that out especially since the first 22 experiments i did the 22 you know that's a special number for ritual but the so the mm -hmm. first 22 dmt experiments i did last year were very specific mm -hmm. and the next 22 i'm doing this year are going to be based on tonality and sound um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so I, I would be very, yeah. could you imagine me coming out with a big review of Jason's uh, <laughs> mastery system, but done all within the context of DMT? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Way to add something to it. But I, I think that that might yeah. be what I am called to do. Um, why not? Hey, Someone, why not? Someone's got to do not? it, right? If not me, hey. if not now, when? When? <laughs> right right really what else you, hey. i can't believe you went through that i can't believe i'm I'm honestly still 
I'm, I'm delaying talking about it because like you actually went through his entire system and maybe it is mm -hmm. the unsung system of self-initiatory hermeticism. Maybe it is. What I like too is um, he also does this path working, um, uh, 22 paths, right? Right. And yeah. uh, from One all the, the other- most overlooked aspects of the Western hermetic path. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and I've read some other material, like the Cicero stuff, and a lot of it was like, memorize this script, and I, I don't know. It just didn't really resonate with me at all, like different approaches I saw published on it, per se, right? But then well, in Jason's, I it's like... To, it's... I talked to Chick and Tabby last February about mm -hmm. their self-initiation book, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah, I was not, I was surprised by what they said, but um, we'll mm -hmm. save that for when they come on the podcast. Some other day, yeah, but... Uh, um, uh, when Jason, when he does the path workings, it's, there's like uh, like capitalistic invocations, and then it's sort of like he, it's more or less he's like guiding you on the elements or the archetypes or the themes of each path, and it's sort of up to you. It's it's a it's a more organic, holistic way of putting you in those mental, emotional, spiritual states, and then letting your own consciousness see what arises, rather than other things that I've read where it's sort of like, now you memorize this and then you're supposed to see this. And then, you know, it's very forced. It's very mental. It's very, I don't know what you'd say, like uh, prefabricated or something like that. Whereas the approach that Jason takes, it's more of putting you into that space of that path, like the, you know, the main lesson and then sort of seeing what your consciousness brings, so to speak, right? So that's why I really like that approach. I thought that was um, much better than at least published stuff that I've seen. So, hmm. and especially with the audio, audio um, like the different like beats that he adds to it and the different, uh, you know. Very cool. I mean, yeah, he's so a, I think he's yeah, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So have I you looked that, at, I guess any... that's. Continue. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go, no, you go. I think that's it. I think the fact that since, you know, as a musician or as somebody who appreciates music and the effect that sound has on your consciousness and your emotions and whatnot. I think that adding those elements and at least that's Jason's approach, adding those elements. And for me personally is very uh, beneficial. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds so, so Jason's system, was that something you got into um, to lead you up to Enochian work? Um, I would say what it would to lead me up to. Uh, like what was the series like you you've bought jason's floor circle which is gorgeous um uh -huh. you've got the sigillum which is uh you're using uh is it what kind of sigillums are you using are they cuts I, I, I would say i would say i didn't buy it to lead me i didn't go through it to lead me up to enochian i would say it's more to just strengthen my foundation would be because it's not like some of the practices that are in his course the his like self-initiation course i've already done you know a lot of that that work, but I would say just more or less to deepen the foundation or to explore it further, right? If that makes any sense. Okay. So, um, and then, oh yeah, the floor circle. Okay. So the floor circle and the temple setup I, with Enochian. Here's one thing about Enochian is that you'll a lot of people they'll read a lot of books on it and they'll never actually do it. From you know, from chatting with a lot of people, they know all the theory or the history, but it seems like a lot of people. I guess the fact that the temple furniture, the uh, sigillums and the all, all the stuff you need, I guess the lamin and the ring and all this stuff can seem sort of 
uh, overbearing or overwhelming, like, oh, I got to do all this, then I got to buy all this, then I got to craft all this, right? And so for me, it's been more of like, sort of um, yeah, like a gradual building up. So like what Lon recommends is you make everything out of paper first, because that's accessible, or even print it out, right? Print it out. Yeah. Then and then gradually start crafting your own stuff or even um, um, sort of upgrade. That's basically what I did. Like I started out with the ring, right? The ring out of paper, I made out of paper and then eventually I actually went into a um, like a local craftsman and I kind of designed it myself. And so the, know, ring sort of you, a, the ring I saw in your photos, yeah. that's that's from who who made it? Okay, so I went to like a local, I, I took a one day, um, uh, what's that called, like a one day class on jewelry making, right? And so I actually, you can say that I crafted it myself. I, I mean, you, you make it out of wax, right? And so I did do it to an extent. I didn't do the final process, but so it's partially made by me. That's the you best made, I could You say. made your own gold payment ring? Partially, partially. That's so cool. Partially. Yeah, I can't say I fully made it, but I did make it as part of the wax casting um, one day class. They offered these one day class things. So um, wow. let's just say it was touched up a bit. So I I'm, I don't want to take full credit for it, but I'm, well, I'm you're somewhat paying, made it. You're, let's you're, just, you're paying for a class, so your teacher better make sure your shit looks good at the end, right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but you were involved in it. Like, I, I, I've never been involved in the making of any... Uh, jewelry uh magical uh, magical gold jewelry for myself uh ritual or otherwise i've done my fair share of silver work in in waldorf high school but like you made your own enochian gold ring That's somewhat yeah. it's just involved hardcore. in involved in the process would be it went to a class <laughs> where you yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. that's yeah. so cool that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like most people, I'm sure. Uh, there, there's a woman in Vancouver who makes a lot of custom made gold Enochian ritual things, including rings. Uh, she runs the website Enochian.org. Oh, cool. Enochian um, oh, cool. Yeah, her name's mm -hmm. Athena, and she's quite famous in the Enochian world. She was actually a member mm -hmm. of early Temple Tehuti back when it was Temple of uh, Tehuti, Sanctuary of Tehuti with, with Nineveh Shadrach, and before, before I was allowed to be a part of public things. And uh, she, uh, is still going hardcore at that. And she was at the working I did with uh, Lon, along with my buddy, Chris Bennett, who were all there doing the Sunokian working. And Lon actually uses still her Enochian gold ring that she made him as a gift and sent to him. He still uses her ring. So that's pretty cool. Oh, uh, that's pretty cool. That's but awesome. Jason does have his own Paimon rings for Enochian with Yeah, I, I, he sells a lot of the um, uh, temple furniture that you can get. And so, yeah, definitely. I mean, his, uh, I have the circle, um, which I got from him. And uh, that's another thing that's kind of interesting. I, you, for Enochian work, there is no actual, like, and if you read Dee's material, there is no, there's no circle. A court, there is no circle. Yeah, no. exactly. But the reason I got it, I just thought it was, it's sort of, it's just another element to deepen my experience. Right. And now, the other thing is you can use it. I use it for other stuff too, not just for Enochian work, but just to have a magical circle that you can bring with you. It's nice. You can fold it up. You can bring it with you. It has all the uh, sigils of the um, uh, directions and elements and uh, the three uh, secret God names of each banner, right, are on it, written onto it. And so I think it's a cool thing to have. I mean, I'm very happy with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much most of my work these days, it's Enochian and 
also some planetary stuff, planetary magic. We talked about Rufus Opus before, right? You said you're, yeah. you're uh, and so working with uh, his um, uh, seven spheres has been really beneficial as far as not only for like balancing out on the energetic level, but also even in practical stuff. I've had really good uh, results with it. So I think those are pretty much like the elements of my current practice these days. All right. So yeah, I wish we, we could keep talking, but I probably have another 10 minutes before I have to run out the door. You have to so, go to work. Uh, yeah. 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 Unfortunately, it's morning you know, in uh, Korea. Work. Okay. Uh, so now I, it's, uh, yeah, it's 1.46 p.m. I start, yeah, I have to leave here by two. How would so you say that the, the system of the seven spheres of Rufus Opus has interacted mm -hmm. with your Jason Newcomb going through his entire system leading up to you as a practicing Enochian magician? Mm, how do they all mix? Or yeah, like, match, or is that what you're just saying? integrate. I just want you to let, to let you riff off, like, imagine you're the magus just standing at an oratory right now, telling the world what they've been through, what they've experienced, and what they're <laughs> doing. Like, just like, give us your homily, okay, your sermon of magic. Okay, sure. Yeah, sure, sure, Perform sure. For so us. like I said, I already had a foundation. I already had a foundation and other, you know, practices, the Eastern practices, and also going through some Golden Dawn and Crowley stuff. And then having the, going through Jason's um, New Hermetics sort of helped to even deepen all of that and also strengthen, um, what would you say? Strengthen the psychic muscles, strengthen the, uh, you know, the control of energy, harnessing certain types of energy. And so with that, after that, working with the planetary magic, which I worked through some other, you know, previous stuff, some other previous books that I had on it and uh, going through some like Agrippa stuff and then uh, coming upon Rufus Opus's uh, Seven Spears book, um, which is kind of nice because it kind of ties it all together in a, pretty, in a pretty nice and practical way. Yeah, I, I think so. It adds in like the Orphic hymns and um, it takes a pretty, I would say relatively straightforward practical approach to it right yeah. and so um i think using all what previously we just talked about you know the sort of strengthening these uh um psychic senses and abilities and then bringing though that into the planetary stuff um i would say that that even deepens it further and actually the fact that you're working on working you know with each day of the week and then um working with different spheres and then also of course for practical operations i think it all comes together in a pretty beautiful way for me at least you know i've had a lot of a lot of success and a lot of um not even on the internal levels but also on the external stuff right like with jupiter magic which apparently that's how rufus opus got into the the seven spheres with some uh he talks about it on my podcast be better to listen to that uh, i think it's episode four i believe praxis behind the obscure he talks about how he got in, how he started the seven spheres, and I listened with... to the shit out of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It ended well, what, what suddenly, it was like the much too soon. The Jupiter, yeah, 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 the like Jupiter a bad date. club or something, like a bad date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but I, mean, but I, I really, really like you. I like everything you're saying and who you are. It's like I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> hey, see you next ends. time. Yeah. Okay, next no, time. I really. Next time means. 
Never. (laughs) (laughs) Swipe left. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Next next time, yeah. yeah. Next time translates us. See you never. You know that moment on a date when they you can feel them swipe left in person. (laughs) Oh geez. (laughs) Oh, that's not my scene. But like, I don't want to interrupt your spiel. But um, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. the uh, oh shit, what was it? Oh damn, the uh, you said Rufus Opus, blah blah blah. Oh, the planetary magic, seven spheres. Damn, I um, lost it. No, pra- practical operations. Yeah, I forget what I was gonna say. Forget me. Ignore. Move on. Move so on. For, so, for example, okay, for example, I've done um, the Jupiter workings, right? Uh, through the seven sphere system, utilizing his approach, which is the Trithemian uh, art of drawing spirits into crystals approach, right? And then added on with the the uh, Orphic that stuff, hymns. And that stuff is so Orphic- sick. It's so sick. Orphic it's it's D yeah. sick. It's D sick. <laughs> That's oh, the sick, man. It's the sick. It's, it's sick. not the shit. It's the sick. Oh, dude, there we got go. to we got to throw that shiznet at 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 Brian when he comes on. There you go. <laughs> That's the new the term. Sick, man. <laughs> the sick. <laughs> Point the new slang, but um, oh well, absolutely. Yeah. When you consider. <laughs> that, that, it's really uh, Dion, fortunately. <laughs> oh, oh, you're on a roll now. <laughs> you're Dude, on I'm a roll. Stealing now. all of this yeah. from the Texans, man. This is all the Texans. You want to? You want to do real crazy magic? Go to Texas. Uh, that's pretty funny. Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, but with the uh, uh, Jupiter work, I mean, it's been it's pretty pretty amazing. I mean, like I would say, I would attribute that to doing all this previous initiatic work, right? But um, yeah, working with the Jupiter stuff, like instantly within 24 hours, it's just like getting these calls for one day gigs for $500, which I never get, you know, I get, I get a variety of part-time gigs, but the fact that every single time I've done the Jupiter work, I end up getting a call for a pretty good chunk of money for one day of work. It's been pretty nice. Yeah. That's crazy. And I, uh, I can definitely attribute, uh, I can definitely vouch for the results from that system for sure. I was I was having an epic hour and a half or four and a half hour long phone call, just a personal call with my friend Allison, who you all know, right? Allison, everyone knows mm-hmm. Allison these days. She was mm-hmm. just on Glitch Bottle. And we were just mm-hmm. having a casual four and a half hour conversation. In the middle of the conversation, she was taught she was challenging me on the efficacy of my ability to do magic, which I think mm-hmm. is silly. But you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll do something right. And I did a little money magic live on the phone call with her and less than five minutes later i again first time since that magic money magic with lawn thirteen hundred dollars oh that's sweet awesome. live on the phone call awesome. while talking so money magic scares me because i think if i do it too much i'll get rich so i need to not do it ever <laughs> oh lord yeah no if i and and you wouldn't want to see me rich i would you would not like me when i'm rich i would i would (laughs) all i would do is buy expensive medieval instruments and play uh open tunings all day long singing ballads about fairies that's all i would do (laughs) yeah and you could also live in my castle we do goetic and enochian ritual work all night and sing fairy ballads all day while frolicking in the leaves that would be that's the plan (laughs) There you go. It sounds like a great life to me. I but, know, yeah. man. I know, right? Like, can't we? Couldn't yeah. all us magi- magicians just like hang out and like do a bunch of magic? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hopefully, man. 
hopefully the world opens up but i'm preparing myself oh, as so... i think many of us are for black mirror land where all we can do is mm -hmm. interact via these websites and phone calls at best and hope that we don't get like much of a stake so that we might go right. that way we um, might go the way of communes and magical communes who knows i don't know it's all terrifying who knows yeah it could be allison mostly works with the uh, greek magical papyri right from at least for the interview that i heard um yes and her, i think i thought she did extremely well on that interview and oh that was a great interview stuff. that was one of the in fact i thought that was one of the better ones on uh, glitch bottle yeah she Definitely. didn't say any of the crazy shit that she was telling me she was gonna say or, or hope, I was hoping she was going to say because she so there's this secret episode of her and I from Berlin mm -hmm. on my birthday 2019 mm -hmm. January 31st like two years ago this Sunday where she mm -hmm. and my translator who was a member of the GD order in Toronto which went really bad and she's mm -hmm. in Chile so she and, and Allison and I didn't really know who Allison was back then she didn't know who I was and when my ter Facebook terminated my VH Fighter RC account Mm -hmm. dead in the water we lost each other we didn't really know how to find each other and we just reconnected recently and oh, okay. she was on this birthday google hangout call where i'm like everyone's getting trashed and i'm playing music and we're talking uh -huh. shit and we're just like talk it's 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 a but it's on the exclusives of this podcast so for those who want to donate five bucks a month or, or 50 a year to get the exclusive so you can hear me and allison and uh <laughs> and bina sorbina very honored sorbina mm -hmm talk shit on my birthday i have this little crazy birthday episode but mm -hmm. she's great i'm really glad she's out there showing the efficacy of magic thaumaturgical as it were and 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 really teaching people the pgm stuff in a very straightforward way she's like helped mm -hmm. me learn the headless right which is great it's awesome. not really my cup of tea because i'm a very i'm a gd guy like i like mm -hmm. i like the way those rituals were expanded by the golden dawn they were taught to me sure. in the full temple in the vault, outside the vault, in that context. Like that's very alive in my sphere of sensation. And I had great teachers, right? Like my teachers sure, were sure. Zinc. But it, my but, teachers were these other guys. Mm -hmm. So like But it is still cool to explore the um oh, yeah. it's just like taking on it. It's like taking off uh, sorry, taking on a different paradigm or a different uh what would you say? A different yeah, just taking on a different paradigm and seeing the world through the ancient Dude, lines, it's right? the pgm man it's like contemporary yeah. with that's Jesus what i don't like about of... like like these days you get all these people arguing oh the crowley and the golden dawn version and this you know that's you need to go back to the origins right and then you have people that are like no the golden dawn is the more expanded or the newer versions yeah. more expanded yeah. it's like yeah. why don't why don't you just flip between different reality tunnels and paradigms this is, and this is where both. musicians get it and occultists fail exactly like it's like hey let's go down to drop d tuning what's your main no. instrument bro what's your main instrument <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a bass player but i You're also play guitar player. a little bit so you slap yeah. slap like now oh yeah or it's illegal i love that you slap like now so yeah yeah shout out to davy 504 but like so like if you're a sick-ass bass player me it's wind instruments mainly um mm -hmm. like could you imagine if someone was like oh you don't want to go do that jazz stuff. It gets crazy and it breaks all the rules. It's not good. And then you go sit mm -hmm. in with a bass session or with a jazz session on the bass, right? And they're like changing time signatures like nobody's business, right? And you're mm -hmm. and you know, then then the the trumpet goes for a solo, and all you realize you have to do on the bass is lay down a fat slap on the D tonic, right? Like that's mm -hmm. the grooviest shit ever. And you're like, wow, I could never get away with this in like 
thrash metal, but here it works mm. perfectly and it just flows, right? It's because it's all music. It's all music. Exactly. It's all groove. And musicians exactly. get this. And maybe musicians make the best magicians, right? Because we get that it's all about the groove. And magic exactly. may be all about the groove. Like, I bet yeah, you, if you and me were in the same room tonight, we would work some serious Enochian vibes. Oh, for sure. I bet sure. we would work it. It's like, oh, we wouldn't be like, oh, did you say Zod instead of Zod? Or is like just a Z? Did you, why didn't you do just a Z? We wouldn't be saying that stuff. We'd be fucking pounding the groove and just mm-hmm. worried about wh- what's the next you know the next note what's the next hit like oh my god it's hard to explain actually because music is so ecstatic just like magic is ecstatic or it's nothing exactly no i completely agree there it's uh yeah i kind of think about it like your drop it's sort of like arguing like oh this tuning is drop d is the only way <laughs> it's like drop d is better than this or whatever right and you're like a lot of my oh, best songs it- are in c sharp c sharp yeah it's just different you know you're just looking at it you're coming you're coming through at a different tuning that's basically you're tuning yourself to one current and then you can also tune yourself to another right well and look at it and and, yeah perfect oh shit i gotta go i'm gonna be late i I really gotta go i was was gonna gonna say i was gonna say sorry to cut you off thanks Mm -hmm. for hanging out with us ryan is your Mm -hmm. last name villa Mm -hmm. Uh, my last full last name is Via Lobos, Spanish. Via yeah. Lobos, Ryan uh-huh. Via Lobos, everybody. I like the idea of Ryan the villain. Ryan the villain. <laughs> Why not? Ryan Via Lobos, uh, my dear friend from Praxis of the Obscure here on Magic mm-hmm. Without Fears. That's not tears; it's fears because I'm sure some of you are crying your asses off right now. Thanks for being on the podcast, <laughs> brother. And find oh, him sure. online at Praxis behind the obscure yeah for sure and looking forward to uh hopefully having you on again and hopefully we'll uh come we'll on here there. for another uh episode sometime soon the too. next step is for us to probably do some cyber magic together let's do some cyber enochian magic together through my, oh, my school fuck talking to the public these 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 punters already have gotten enough from both of us let's us create okay. some magical vibes between ourselves sonically with a musical live jam with jesse and other musicians on instagram that and sounds- magical musicians yeah let's do that let's create some sonic psychic good. enochian vibes but you got to get to work or whatever you got oh yeah I, re- I gotta run I thanks gotta for run, the yeah. pictures okay. of you ice fishing i loved it peace profound oh love. yeah that you, was dope okay for the fucking okay. bomb love you all right sweet all right love you take it easy peace love you too bye bye-bye Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon. And uh, 
seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies, uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.